0: you Quite a while since your first consultation what made you decide to take the leap today a lot is going on in my life i don't want to miss anything when we're done you'll have perfect vision hey, did you know what my assistant's giving me an incomplete file i'll be right back hold on you're leaving
1: is that supposed to be happening <laughs> Help me! You're not supposed to be here, you're supposed to die on that bridge. A lucky few survive the disaster, and then one by one, death comes for them all. Are you saying that we can't stop this? There's an answer for everything. It's kill or be killed. Nobody's safe!
2: Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Pod and the Pendulum, the horror movie podcast covering every horror movie franchise, one movie in one episode at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Snoonian, joined once again by Lindsay Travis. Lindsay, first, happy new year. And I guess we're recording this a little bit early.
0: Yeah, and happy new year.
2: How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm really I know I probably say this every single episode that I'm really psyched to do this one. But I'm really excited to do this one because uh, I think this might be my favorite Final Destination movie.
2: We have not hit the drag franchises yet. It's like, so right now, like, we're doing stuff. I mean, I guess Urban Legend, <laughs> Bloody Mary, but then it was like yeah, new, to, new to do the show, you know? So we have that new show, Jitters. But like, we haven't gotten to the, um, I'm trying to think of a franchise that I'm going to like one day regret covering. Um,
0: Pinhead?
2: Yeah, Hellraiser. I'm nervous. Yeah.
0: Hellraiser. I'm nervous for Hellraiser mostly because I haven't seen any of them. Don't tell anyone. And so mm-hmm. I'll actually have to like watch them all intently, which is stressful to me.
2: I think we may pretend after part three the others don't exist, and then be I like, it's amazing. "It's amazing! It's <laughs> amazing that after like three movies, like none ever they came out stopped. after that again. They just stopped. So. They just
0: stopped, just like Terminator stopped. Right. Yet. Number right. two.
2: But right now, like this is such a fun franchise, and we are here, and what's so funny is our guest is on mute, and he's making all these like gestures right now. I'm like, oh my god, he's a mime! It's this
0: great. is fun. I feel like um, every episode of um, goodness, what's that really famous comedy podcast on Earwolf? with Scott Ackerman, you know the I one? Don't
2: know. I do. It's not like one it. of
0: the like largest podcasts of all time. Anyway, whatever. They always have like a bunch of comedians that you can hmm. tell are like screaming from behind the mic because they can't really talk saying. till they're intro- introduced. And you can just, like, feel them.
2: (laughs) You can just, like, feel them
0: wanting to talk.
2: It's a silent podcast.
0: Like, we're going to take things back. We covered silent Comedy Bang Bang. Everyone knows Comedy Bang Bang. Okay. That's That's
2: what it is. I don't think I've ever listened to it. It's very fun. Is it? I'll have to give that a try.
0: They got a show and everything with Kid Cudi.
2: We are here to put a franchise to rest today. We're here to do final destination five in what has been like i think a really fun series one that the rare that doesn't have i think really any bad movies per se like even the worst one is still it's still watchable but we're here to talk about this movie today with the co-host of horror queers
3: let's welcome to the show for the first time trace thurman hi guys how are y'all doing good
1: good.
3: how are you i'm i'm i have immediate thoughts to you right away though um Lindsay, fuck you for the terminator thing you really (laughs) i have a soft spot for t3 Uh and i really do enjoy dark fate but i can't hear
0: anything is is trey still on mute because i can't (laughs)
3: hear anything she she refuses to watch anything past two and i'm like no but three is like a like a two-hour chase scene and it's so it's not as good (laughs) but it's fun on the hellraiser note though i will say so i i used to have a bunch of friends that we would um before the pandemic we would Mm -hmm. uh, like once every two months marathon a horror franchise and we did hellraiser once and it was like across a saturday and sunday period so we Mm marathon 10 of these movies in two days um agree with mike that like up to three it's like one and two are genuinely good movies three Mm -hmm. is like not good but really fun four is not good but it's kind of like ambitious enough that you're like oh this is watchable but the mm. good thing is that one through four tell like one complete story like the franchise does end with four and then they just mm. kept making these dtv sequels right. that are all terrible
2: what's the one with lance yeah. henriksen i feel like that's the one i watched is that
3: hell world that's like Hellworld little... with also henry cavill in it baby henry wow. cavill Oh, what? Oh yeah, but that one actually I hated the most because the twist ending is real. Like, you could tell it's like a post-scream thing where mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh, we gotta make it fun and twisty," and the twist does not work for me at all. But it's the most slashery of those direct-to-video sequels. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
3: yeah it is.
2: uh You know, eventually we'll get to that series. Eventually, like we'll run out of
3: things. <laughs> we have the, to be like, oh. the problem is that most of them, like again, past three are just boring. that they're, yeah. they're bad, but they're boring they're not even fun to watch yeah mm-hmm.
1: that's kind of
0: the thing right it's like you're sitting there like it's fine when it's not great but when it's like boring you're like oh my god i have to watch eight more boring yeah. movies mm-hmm. um, oh trust me when, when, when we
3: like got to the scott derrickson one which i don't like but a lot of people really do like i mean mm. for those sequels i was just like oh god <laughs> it's terrible.
0: Scott Derrickson.
3: Do, so how do you go ahead which we will be covering one of his movies next
2: we'll be covering sinister <laughs>
0: Oh, oh yeah. I like Sinister. I'm I really, like Sinister. Like
2: Sinister. I love Sin. I think Sinister is one of the best original horror movies of like the past ten years. I really
3: love that movie, and I have a soft spot for Part Two. I do. No, I, I think Two, like when it came out and it got fine. trashed by critics. Yeah. I I watched it. I was like, I mean, it's not as good as the first one. It's a bit I, goofier too, but like, I really it's liked fine. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I
0: think Sinister Two is fine. It's like there's a lot of those sequels that like really, really lose themselves. Like, um, like I know that we just like I didn't like. Pray at night, the second Strangers movie, it really just like lost itself for me, and but if I think you re-watch that
3: like it, if it's you re-watch, probably fine. Yeah, it's probably
0: it's fine. I didn't hate it. I just was like, this is like whatever. But like the second Sinister, I was kind of expecting like, oh, this is gonna suck. It's like a sequel mm-hmm. to a great movie, but it doesn't. It's like it's good.
2: Yep.
1: like
0: okay, I'm not like telling everyone to go watch it. Like it's good.
2: People love Pray at Night, in particular the pool scene,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I don't. I guess it, that's one of those movies. So, yeah, it's fine. It's good. Like I'm not gonna. So-
3: I, that's the movie I saw it in theaters and I was very like meh, mm-hmm. like when I walked yeah. out of the theater. And I bought it, it was like a five dollar Black Friday special on Amazon. And I was like, fuck it, I'll just buy it. And mm-hmm. my husband and I rewatched it. Um, like, I want to say six months ago, and I had so much more fun with it. I think if you go in, because if you go in, like okay, the first one's like the '70s kind of horror homage, and the mm-hmm. second one yeah. is an '80s horror homage. Totally different tone, totally different look. I think if you go into it with that expectation, it does mm-hmm. work a lot better, and it is really. fun. I think the last act Mm -hmm. is so ridiculous that if you just kind of give yourself over to it, you'll enjoy Mm -hmm. it a lot more.
0: That's actually pretty fair. I can see that. I think, yeah, a lot of the like contemporary horror movies set like again a really high bar. Things like Sinister and The Purge and The Strangers were so so good out the gate that it's like really. You like hold it mm-hmm. to that standard. Or they're like even the purge. I love the purge franchise. I'll mm-hmm. obsess with it. But um the second one is a completely different movie. And if you're expecting it to be like the first, the first is like subtle. I mean subtle, but subtle yeah. compared to like the other ones are like everyone's wearing red hats in a church. But um yeah. <laughs> well, not the second, but like the later ones. Yeah. So I guess there's like that you're never going to make the strangers again but well, you want them to so i can i can kind of see where but, maybe i'm it. But that's kind of why
3: i like Pride i right? though, again in retrospect because i'm like yeah. okay well they this guy it's Johan Roberts who did the 47 meters down movie like he knows he cannot replicate and make a movie as good as the strangers so why not make a movie that's kind of the antithesis of that which is the exact opposite in style mm-hmm. and tone which is what he does and that's why i like it more now it's yeah, sounds good fair. but it's fun All
2: right yeah. and i know right. people do you love a good that argument. movie yeah, and I like having these like two um, picture franchises where you can like kind of slide them in when you're like just need something on a little palette washer. Yeah, although the even theater. when you were
0: like, do you want to do Evil Dead? Or well, sorry, spoiler. Um.
3: <laughs> I, think we, I think it's it's up on our Twitter feed now, I mean, so we <laughs> no, need to start fucking no, guess for it. That what? and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre are really good comparisons, though, right? Where, like, no, the like second even, ones,
0: but no, not even that. When you're like Evil Dead, like first of all, I love Evil Dead. It's like one of my favorite things of all time, and. um, I was like, yeah, that's like a quick three movies we can bang out. And then <laughs> like, and the show and and I was like, Oh yeah, there's so much evil dead.
2: But I don't think when we do the we'll do the show for our patrons. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna do like a huge slot, you know, we're not gonna run and then in episode
3: four of season two, here are yeah. ten
2: things that happen. It'll be like a nice overview.
3: But that yeah. is I think like- you can treat each season as one movie, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, what are there, three could. seasons now? Three, yeah. We yeah. could
2: do like three patron episodes, I guess, mm-hmm. on it for viewers that month. We could do something like that. I don't know. How
0: much can Lindsay say about Ash Williams? You're about a to lot. find out.
2: Oh my <laughs> god. a <laughs> lot. I haven't watched the remake since
3: it came out in theaters. Like, um, well, yeah,
0: there's also the remake. Definitely
3: yeah, seek know. out the unrated cut, which is on Blu-ray okay. now. But it's it because it, it was controversial because in the trailer they have the "We're gonna get you," but it's not mm-hmm. in the theatrical cut. Um, The unrated cut actually adds, like, four extra minutes of footage, and some Mm -hmm. of it's gore, some of it's, like, little character beats, and I actually think that it works. I mean, I like the theatrical cut anyway, but Mm -hmm. the unrated cut's really, like, a stronger film overall.
0: I don't know which one I saw now. The unrated cut was was just made available
3: two years ago. Like, it's it's relatively recent.
0: Okay, so now, because I was like, I feel like I recognize that we're going to get you, but maybe I recognize it from the Mm -hmm. trailer.
2: It's in the trailer. So, um... That's going to be our March. Then February we
3: have like all French horror. So, (laughs) That's going to be really exhausting. It's good but exhausting. I'm
0: stressed. I'm so stressed.
3: It's going to be one of those You can only
0: think of like one.
2: (laughs) Stressed there's so much good stuff there's so yes. much but it's it's so brutal i just <laughs> watched last night i finally watched deadly games which is the
3: oh yeah um santa claus like home invasion oh, santa claus yeah. kind of home yeah. alone movie we it just is... did it for uh audio commentary for our december patreon on horror queers
0: oh
3: check that out, <laughs> we'll check it, out. <laughs> it is yeah it is dark man like it's like yeah.
2: light for like 88 minutes of the runtime and then the last like three minutes of that movie are uh-huh. so dark it's like uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm it has stressed. the greatest did you comment on how the opening um when they, when they introduced tomas like the music is a pure ripoff of survivor's eye of the tiger
3: like the beat oh yeah the I, we, we Your... never did not mention that but um you're right <laughs> oh
2: yeah, oh, yeah
3: I'm I found myself like thinking Rocky
2: 3. I'm like, I'm right back to that. So, all right. But what are we here to talk about today? <laughs> oh now my gosh. I've I, I heard like, of it. Like, I feel like we're ping ponging all around. Right Guys,
0: we're here to talk about my favorite Final Destination movie and <laughs> maybe one of my favorite horror movies. I don't know, but I'm still riding a very uh, recent high. So, we'll see how that holds up after a year Final Strong Destination words. 5.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: And it is, I think, a return to form after a bit of a disappointment with the final destination um (laughs) where i like to start is ask trace you know or or our guest like trace what is it about
3: final destination in particular in this series as a whole that you love like what drew you to this movie (laughs) i love it you you start by asking me in every single episode we always ask trace what does he think of this movie um Uh, so, you know, I, I grew up, I wasn't really allowed to watch R-rated movies as a kid, especially mm. horror films. And um, one of the first things I remember, like, I mean, I remember my mom going to see Scream with my dad and she hates horror movies because he made her go because Drew Barrymore was in it. And she came home and she was bitching because she dies in the first 10 minutes. Spoiler for Scream.
0: <sighs> Just like Psycho.
3: Yes. And uh, although that's the 40 minute mark, Lindsay. God, get your Sorry. horror
0: right. away. <laughs> Sorry. I'm,
3: We're a canceled. I'm a phony. We're Kick me totally out. Totally canceled. But one okay. of the other big things was I just remember them talking about, like, I remember them watching the first one. They rented to different blockbuster, my sister and I were upstairs, and when Terry gets hit by the bus, I just remember both my parents going, whoa! <laughs> yes. And, and you were so, upstairs when that happened? Yes. Oh, okay. And so one thing my dad would always do was, because I couldn't watch these movies, I would have my dad tell me what happened in them, like, beat by beat. And so he would always, he told me about the bus scene. And I was like, oh, I have to see that. And one day, I think my mom went to go like to the grocery store. And he like sh- put on the VHS and like showed me the bus scene really quick. And because I, <laughs> I didn't have time to watch the whole movie. So I got to at least see Terry die when I was like, oh, God, I would have been like 11 like, by the time mm-hmm. I was on VHS. And so... And then the second one was actually the first, one of the first R-rated DVDs I ever got. Back when I was still um, in the closet in high school, uh, my girlfriend at the time bought me Freddy vs. Jason and Final Destination 2 on DVD.
0: (laughs) That's so sweet.
3: Um, (laughs) It was the first horror R-rated DVDs I ever owned. So I watched two like on repeat a lot. And so for the longest time, that actually was my favorite. And then 3 was one of the first R-rated horror movies I got to see in theaters. Um, By that time though, I was 17 um, Mm -hmm. when that came out. I had just turned 17 when 3 came out um and then I mean this is a really long-winded explanation I have like a That's personal okay. journey with like each of these mm-hmm. movies That's okay. um and we then love the
2: long-winded and, explanations and personal journeys
3: and for <laughs> the and that was really fun like I, three uh t- now I think after our rewatch is my favorite because I think it's the most fun but for the longest time five was my favorite now it's like number two but like just slightly below right. three um the final destination came out the same weekend as Rob Zombies Halloween Two, and I totally double featured them, and that made for a very disappointed horror fan weekend. (laughs) Which, (laughs) uh, go ahead. Which, um, yeah, oh, that's right. I love. I got to be honest. Like, I really love Rob Zombies Halloween Two. Yes, I I have since seen the director's cut, and I my friends and I also marathon the whole Halloween franchise, mm-hmm. and that's a movie that I have come around on a lot. Yeah, um, but the director's cut is better than the theatrical cut. It
2: is, it definitely. I don't think I've seen the theatrical cut since theaters. I think it's really hard to actually. I think at this point, yeah, you can only. I think maybe if it's on like a service like Stars or something, they do the mm. theatrical cut. Um, but yeah, I can see where like those two movies back to back would be like. Eh. I think after Rob Zombie's first halloween i I went back and found like a blog i wrote like years ago and i think after his first halloween i actually have a post where it's like i think i'm done with horror for a little while like i was (laughs) so disappointed in that movie i'm like i could use a little bit of a break for a little bit
3: his first movie is a slog to get through. I really just... I, I really hate his first Halloween. He's just yeah. the
0: preamble. There's, yeah. like, so much of, like, kid Michael that was, just like, no one asked for. Well, and it. then right. it's
3: condensing the whole first movie into, like, 40 minutes. And, like, you don't get to know any of those characters. I hate Laurie Strode in that movie so much. Yeah. Um, no, when you're introduced to Laurie Strode by, like, finger-banging a bagel, you're like, this is not... Well, and then she's, like, really mean to Tommy Doyle. And I'm like, why mm-hmm. are you mean to him? Like, you're kind mm-hmm. of no. a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um... And what's funny is
2: like Rob Zombie and Eli Roth, they're both from like Newton, Massachusetts, which Newton is like the most affluent town in all of Massachusetts. Like it is like, they're richy rich. So if you ever ever saw the show, like Silver Spoons growing up, like it is like every house is that in, in Newton. So for all of his movies to have this real, like, you know, hillbilly white trash vibe, it's like, I don't know where... Yeah, because it's definitely like, dude, you're not from the hood, Rob Zombie. You are definitely... <laughs> you definitely were it's chauffeured like, to work, to yeah. school.
0: It's like, well, I mean, I can't speak to that. But yeah, his brand mm-hmm. is a whole white trash thing, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, I and
3: would like... if you haven't... I mean, I'm sure you all have. Maybe Lindsay hasn't, but um, Lords of Salem, I think, is his best film. I know people consider Devil's Redux, which I really do love, but um, yeah. Lords of Salem is like amazing, yeah. Rob Zombie. I
2: would agree. I, w- I think at this point, I've come around to that. That is like... Him at his best and that should really be mm. more appreciated. I, and I really, it's a bummer because that didn't do so well. So it's two movies after that. I've just kind of gone back to that hillbilly over the top aesthetic. Like, mm. and I root for him. I Ooh, know I got, so I, I, I really root for him to do great stuff, but like, it just seems to be He makes like, it difficult sometimes. <laughs> he makes it, maybe if someone else did a screenplays.
3: Yeah. Maybe yep. that would work. Okay. That, yeah, I agree. And
0: how would you have... His white trash women character saying such hilarious.
3: <laughs> I, I I like Sherry. I, 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 know, I know we're off topic of but I love Sherry Moon Zombie like a lot. Uh, yeah. I think she's that was really in the dig um Anyway, so sorry. I'll bring this okay. back because that that's was my okay. bad. Um, maybe but, um, we
2: don't need her, him to do like white trash characters. Maybe they could do something different.
3: Who knows? Um, you know, <laughs> make her play like who a normal ha- normal quote unquote housewife. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but with true. Final Destination 5, mm-hmm. yes, it was a lot. I, I did see it in theaters with my now husband. Uh, we have been Together for like a year when it came out. And <laughs> this is so bad. So he actually pulled out his phone about 15 minutes into this movie Ooh. and, like, did, like, I thought he was texting. I got so mad at him. And he put his phone away. And then when the credits rolled, he pulled his phone out and showed it to me. He opened his notes app and typed the word prequel into it, like prequel question mark, because he noticed the, the cell phones in this movie. <laughs> That's incredible. Is your husband like a private eye or a detective? No. <laughs> I think he just pays attention to technology. I don't know. That's That's, incredible.
0: I love that. I love that story. And I feel like that's the thing. That's the hardest thing to hide in movies is the technology. And like, it's something I find so interesting. Like I know in a weird, we actually talked about this a lot with the uh, aliens and Prometheus about like how it's in the past and they have to make the technology Mm -hmm. newer because it's the future for us and all that. Right. But um, yeah, that's always the kind of thing. It's always cars and phones
3: Mm-hmm. I and wonder like, if it's the time... Because this is 2011, right? Like, the iPhone had, like, I think just come out. 28, um, 2008, yeah. Oh, shit. It was fast. That was Okay, mm-hmm. but I, if it, I think if this happened today, I think you would notice the flip phones more, whereas yes. in 2011, like, the smartphone was still kind of a new-ish yeah. thing that it was, like... Yeah. It, it was just good timing for this movie, right. and I'm really yeah. happy that it did. And the fashions hadn't changed enough in 10 mm-hmm. years where you could
2: easily you know kind of hide i think you could easily hide like Jeans the clothing and, and the hairstyles yeah
3: like it's up to always kind of um, style this movie turns 10 this year guys like that oh. is insane to me mm-hmm.
0: oh my god someone posted speaking of this isn't super related um someone posted like 20 years after minority report and i was like
1: 20 years oh my
0: god
1: Woo! 20 years we we spent
2: New Year's Eve like we introduced our daughter to The Matrix and we're like this movie is 20 years old like that is insane to me
0: wait The Matrix and Minority Report came out at the same time
3: 2000 right. no 1999 yeah i think minority report might have been like 2001 yeah okay so 20
0: so so years 20 to 22
2: yeah, yeah. but like it's right cool. in that ballpark like that to me is like mind-blowing oh my like, god it's been 20 years since that movie and we get a new one this year which is yeah. really exciting so oh yeah. yeah
3: it's in the hbo max deal isn't it yeah oh so i am very excited for that um do i have right. to rewatch two and three because i have not seen those since no. theaters?
0: <laughs> me, no and i don't intend to <laughs>
2: I would say no. Like I'm trying to rewatch them and it's like after forty minutes. am like, we'll pause it here. We'll we'll pack this we're one good. in chunks. We'll <laughs> we'll do this one in chunks right now. Life is too short to mm-hmm. sit through those two movies in one sitting. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um so here's the thing, when we were putting this episode together, like you, Trace, actually posted like one of your articles from Blighted Disgusting with like the screenwriter. Uh, I'm gonna mm-hmm. mispronounce his name, like but Eric Right. I think I think it just yeah, Heiserer, Heiserer. Heiserer. That is a mouthful. Um, And it was really interesting because this is someone who has a lot of swings and misses in his Mm -hmm. resume. Um, He has like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, which is one of my least favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, But he has like the Thing remake as well, which again is like not, you know, it's it's okay. It's not as Mm -hmm. bad as I think people say it is. Um, But then he has Final Destination 5, Mm-hmm. He has Arrival, he has Bird Box, and he has Lights Out. Like, mm-hmm. all of those are, like, like a good to great movies overall. Like, they're all enjoyable.
3: And I think with, um, cause both, Nightmare, so I, it was, I did that interview around the time Lights Out came out. So he was actually like a rival, with, I think he was working on it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had like an hour long phone conversation with him where I was like, look, dude, like I really want to be like blunt and like candid. So like, talk to me. He did like call me afterwards and was like, sorry, his, his agent called me. And was like, Hey, can we please read the piece? Because I think he knew that he had said some things that might have put him in the doghouse. But mm-hmm. honestly, he didn't take anything out, but, um, yeah, with the Nightmare number you make, remake, he put a lot of blame on the director um, mm-hmm. for just shooting things that weren't in his script because that director, uh, Samuel Bayer, would go to a location and right. be like, oh, here's a church here. Let's film something here. And there's nothing in the script about that. So they would just mm-hmm. make things up on the spot.
2: <laughs> yeah, it seemed. And I know when we did our remake episode on that, like they went to bear three times basically and said like, do you want to direct this movie? And he was like, no. Mm-hmm. And what brought him on, to do it eventually was there was no artistic reason to do it. Like Michael Bay wrote him an email and said, think of all like the financial freedom you have with projects after this. Like it was purely a business transaction and there was like no love for the series whatsoever. They were
3: trying to replicate what they did with uh, Marcus Nispel on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. It was like, Oh, let's take this music video director, get his visual eye on this and do it. But yeah, it sounds like, yeah, they didn't even care about his work. They were like, Oh, you're a music video director. Cool. Do Mm -hmm. this remake.
2: But the biggest takeaway I got from reading that piece was like how that experience of like he was in the interview um, he talks about how he was given a set of parameters like this this and this Mm -hmm. all need to be in the movie for it to actually move forward and similar to like when he wrote the thing we all knew where that movie was going to end and you kind of knew where the beats were going to be for that movie. So he had these really like exact parameters that he had to work within and that kind of makes him uniquely suited to do a movie like final destination five because like we know the beats of this franchise and he's like i need to get this it has to be the rube goldberg thing there's going to be a set piece Mm -hmm. at the beginning maybe one at the end and then the deaths are going to be these really creative things. I wonder if that made him more suited to work on something like this. You
3: know, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, about how he did like two prequels in a row, basically. Except one was like a known prequel. The other one, Final Fantasy was a surprise prequel. But like with the thing, you know, he has, okay, we have the one scene in John Carpenter's original where they go to the Norwegian base and they see all the corpses laid out. So like he has to get everything to end up there, kind mm-hmm. of. And that's kind of where prequel syndrome comes in, right? Where you're like, okay, well, we have to get it here and there's a bunch of spots. I think what makes Final Destination 5 work so well is there's only one end game. There's nothing sprinkled throughout that he has yeah. to like work into the plot. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, make it your movie, do your own thing, but just make sure the last scene is this flight 180 twist. And mm-hmm. that's it. And I think, yeah. I do like that thing, prequel remake. I think if it had done practical effects instead of CGI, um, I'm sorry, if the studio wouldn't have covered up the practical effects with CGI, mm-hmm. people would be talking about it a lot better because the script yeah. I think is fine um this movie though works infinitely better than that film even though there is some spotty cgi (laughs) i can't yeah there's
0: a few spotty like yeah spotty cgi Yeah. yeah it's only really and like they really do feed it to you but you almost the benefit these movies have is that they're filled with easter eggs all the way through so all of the things that make it really obvious that it's a prequel could totally be brushed off as easter eggs like they mentioned paris immediately mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you're like oh like looking back it's so obvious they talk about paris, paris so much <laughs> they talk about paris. Mm-hmm. so and it's in the first scene like <laughs> that opening scene they're like i just can't go to paris and you mm-hmm. should go to paris and, like they say it 50 times like right at the gate but you almost are kind of like oh it's just an easter egg because all these yep. movies are connected so it does a really good job that way and aside from like a couple little close-ups of things that show you what year it is it's really not tied to anything
2: No, it's really not. It's and I, you know, it's. uh, We'll get into the Easter eggs, I think, in a little bit, because I think we all have like a bunch of really fun ones here. Um, But to me, like, what I really love about this movie is how it is a bit of a return to form after like parts one, two, and three. Like Mm -hmm. part four is like I said of of a series. It doesn't have any like what I would say true stinkers of a movie. It's the one that I would like not want to revisit again. Um, and what i think that this movie really gets r- right um art 4 tried to be really funny and kind of like yeah. irreverent but it did it at the expense of the characters because like there's really not any character in there that i like like even the leads they're so land mm-hmm. um i mean they're literally it's like looking at like unpainted drywall when you're looking at the two leads in that movie like there's just nothing i love any-
0: like sorry go ahead look no, at
3: that- I- I was just gonna I mean, even the set piece i mean, I'm I, I remember the the escalator I remember the pool I remember the car wash which is the biggest cock tease mm-hmm. in any of these films because we don't get a death from that and I, the problem with that movie I don't think it understands the franchise because there's so many like fa- I mean I know y'all just did an episode on it but like there's so many fake outs where it's like mm-hmm. oop, it's accidentally a, a vision or whatever mm-hmm. it's it's so stupid um but I do and I, I'll, I'll sorry actually Lindsay what were you gonna say
0: well, I was just going to say, like, in comparison, because we're talking about characters. Um, the fourth one. Yeah, it's guilty of like having no characters anyone really spends time on as where what we really get right out the gate in this one is a very, very great intro scene, which like mm-hmm. it's something used in so many movies. It's a really great technique is everyone's arriving at a space and they all arrive one at a time and they all tell you exactly who they are. Like they almost like look to the camera and tell you their bios, like uh-huh. everyone shows up The first scene is Miles Fisher, uh, Peter talking to Sam. And he's like, hey, I need you to focus more on this job. I know I'm your boss, but I'm also your friend. (laughs) Uh And you're like, okay, we've got a job situation where he's deciding what he wants to do with his career. That's important. We know that their relationship is that one's one's the boss. And we also know that they're also friends. And then uh, Molly shows up and she breaks up with him. So we know, okay, they were together. They're breaking up and also we know that they're breaking up for reasons that he might be going to paris for another job so we now know that he's got job drama relationship drama then uh candace shows up and she's the intern and she's very young she glasses Peter, she's so and they love each other <laughs> yeah no not her that's olivia oh wait sorry oh yeah Then We're- i don't remember what order they all show up in <laughs> I just know that Molly, or sorry, Olivia shows up after Mo, after Candace, because yes, Candace right. is mean to her for no reason. But Candace, is like, is, yeah,
3: but we have Candace the whole like, like Who oh, she's like fucking that? the boss guy. You're yeah. so <laughs>
0: ugly. And it's like, fuck <laughs> off. Olivia shows up and she jumps out of like her like boyfriend's monster truck. So she's got a life outside of work. Work is not her primary social life. For everyone else, it is. Right. Mm -hmm. For her, it's not. She shows up. She looks hot. She doesn't care. She wears glasses. That's her like thing that you notice. So, like, everyone pretty much like they show up one at a time. They tell you everything about themselves in a few sentences. It's a few minutes into this movie. We're not even at the opening set piece yet. We know everything about them there's like so much character development and again it's a really easy typical technique in everything and they use it really really well here i think i,
3: I remember when we marathon this franchise i think i was trying to like time collect like when the opening disaster started i think the fastest yeah. one actually was um two but three like takes i think twice as long as two 20 minutes gets on the, the roller coaster yeah yeah, and, yeah and, but and it, it does forever. the same thing as that though right where it's like okay, you get your characters beat by beat by beat by beat and that's the problem with four is that when you start it they're just all there in the audience mm-hmm. of the stupid racetrack thing mm-hmm. and that's it like yeah and I don't four, know who they
0: are and I don't care I don't know right. who's a nerd who's dating whom what their right. like whole deal like nothing is where you learn so much in like a few quick like hey I'm arriving like they almost have like their own theme music like it's like the beginning <laughs> of like it's like a pilot episode of a show <laughs> like it's yeah. so good
2: Four almost like never puts the characters together either if they're all kind mm-hmm. of live outside their own space like and two they're not really connected, but they at least try to bring them together to right. overcome this thing. Um, three, you have, like, they're all went to the same high school together. You can kind of see, like, the connections there. And five, you have them all this like, you
3: said this shared experience it, of like it's the set. office it's the office but final destination <laughs> Yeah, right
0: and well, like, I mean, you, there's like a bunch of office easter eggs in there too especially with the oh god the actor who basically plays the exact same character at a paper yes, company
3: david david <laughs> kochner david kochner. Yeah, yeah, is that yeah. an easter egg at that point Also, <laughs> well, you know... i don't know if
0: that is just like a casting but like there's a mm-hmm. bunch of like stretch easter eggs like he has a mug that's kind of similar they, to the they festival. either cast
3: him they either cast him in the office because of his role in final destination five or mm-hmm. vice versa yeah
0: or vice versa <laughs> well but, been... like, similar, I don't know that it's, there's like necessarily office Easter eggs, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of like, like why is it a paper company? I don't know. Right.
2: Oh, excellent. <laughs> Dunder Mifflin, New Jersey yeah, at that like... point. That is a yeah. big factory for a paper company, too. Brilliant. Like, they have some real, like, uh, there's more than like paper going down at
3: that. And the
0: factory is like right underneath the head office.
2: Yeah. It's
3: like a metal workshop, though. It's yeah. A- <laughs> yeah.
0: That's like right underneath. They're, yeah, they've got. It's like, the basement. Yeah, that's so. I never really thought of that. Like, why? It's a paper company, but it's like, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess I don't know much about paper making. But I didn't well, imagine there were like, a lot of like giant maybe. maybe guys no, I think at. the
3: trees go directly to the basement. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're growing the trees in the basement They, they have, have the mistakes. farm,
0: the head oh. office, and the factory are all in the same <laughs> lot. <laughs>
2: well it's efficient wow it's, it's true it is very efficient. efficient um yeah i do think that is one of the strengths of the movie is that like you get to know and i love like the last three movies have kind of like your horn dog character like you have freddie cheeks in part three mm. who i i love freddie cheeks like he cracks me up just because he's so over the top and stupid mm um i forget i'm just going to call him chad in part four because the dude just strikes me as a total a chad. chad basically that's his thing it's a guy named chad and this one you have isaac who is just like more kind of schlubby i um, love that though i love that <laughs> yeah. too
0: it's such it's a weird like- character thing mm-hmm. and he plays it really well which is mm-hmm. funny like, like he his- yeah
2: His little banter when he's on his phone is brilliant. Like, it's like, oh, Sharma, you're you're a big girl, right? Like, it's just like, what? Like, who says (laughs) that?
0: He's so (laughs) terrible. And I also like that, like, he fits in with the group, like, not as, like, a friend. Like, he fits in with the dynamic like, of the group that they create and he's still someone that you get to hate and enjoy their death, which well, is, like, really fun. I do,
3: I do wonder, though, so, like, because I, the part of what, I mean, again, maybe this is just me, but part of what makes him so funny, because he's a, he's a detestable character, mm-hmm. but because he looks like PJ Byrne looks, um, mm-hmm. it's almost borderline funny. I wonder if they had cast someone like Nick Zeno from the fourth movie, like this bad mm-hmm. guy, if it would be as funny or if it would mean no. you know, bring a little bit more, like, mean... So- this you have to have me. the
0: like sorry go ahead
3: no problem so
2: back when tom like tom brady former quarterback of the patriots like he hosted saturday night live once after their first super Bowl, and they actually <laughs> you had know a, who tom
0: brady is yes. i've
2: heard it i think he's yes.
3: like a sports
2: person <laughs> yes he's sports he, he, so there was a skit on snl mm-hmm. where it was like sexual harassment in the workplace and it was basically like that idea like if someone who looks like PJ Byrne comes up and says like, hey, would you like to go out for dinner next weekend? Like that sexual harassment. Someone who looks like Tom Brady comes out and does it. And it's like, okay, it's totally like, you know, playing on that idea. Mm-hmm. I think like in one part of it, he just shows up in his underwear. basically. Oh, well, it- I mean, I don't know that I
0: subscribe to that piece. No, but it's,
2: it's an idea, but no, <laughs> they're not endorsing The PJ it.
0: Byrne thing that works in like in the inverse is like, you're right. Like it's... Yeah, he kind of had to not Mm -hmm. be traditionally hot because it made it funnier. I think that's fair. And I think there's like a lot of actors that play the middle really well, which is really Mm -hmm. hard to do. I think that's why like people love guys like Ryan Reynolds because he can play those like comedically terrible dudes while still being really hot Mm -hmm. and that's like really hard to do. I can't even like think of others who can do it well. I think the guy from Silicon Valley who's also in Arrested Development, what's his name? The, The guy who plays Russ Hanneman.
3: Is it name. Thomas? Mid- I only know Thomas Middle did. No, it's and- not. He's like oh, a side
0: character. He's oh. not the main cast. Oh,
3: okay. Uh, okay.
0: He plays Russ Hanneman. All. Uh, anyway, he's very funny, Well like as a detestable character, but he's like good looking enough that you buy that he's good looking, if that mm. makes sense. And I'm sure in like real life he's probably like very very hot. Like in TV, he's funny looking.
2: <laughs> hey, listeners, Mike here. I just want to cut into the show with what I promise will be a brief pitch for our Patreon account. And I got musical cues and everything to not run past. If you love what we do and what we bring each week in terms of analysis, humor, criticism, insight, charm, good looks, really the complete package, we hope you consider supporting us by becoming a Patreon of our pod. Your contributions allow us to build what we've done for nearly 100 episodes now by paying for our server's hosts, by purchasing better recording and editing equipment, and by giving us the funds we need to buy the movies, the books, the documentaries, and other research materials we use to bring each episode to life. Our weekly show is always going to be free, and we know that times are tight for everyone right now. We also know there's a number of phenomenal podcasts deserving of your support. That's why, as well as our gratitude, we offer bonus content to all levels of patrons, starting at just two bucks. Every month, we deliver a complete bonus episode on a movie we might not otherwise cover, and all of our patrons get access to our exclusive Slack channel, where we talk horror, music, any other types of movies really it's a cool little community with our patrons right now that are all just awesome people with 2021 right around the corner i got some more ideas up my sleeve on how to give everybody some more content and some more swag so please help keep the show strong by heading to patreon.com podandthependulum and the pendulum and become a supporter today and now back to the show
1: That I am sense. not I like suggesting that, that I'm not
2: suggesting that anyone is endorsing this idea that <laughs> it's very handsome making.
1: <laughs> no, get- no, I'm just, I it's, just it's a similar.
3: It, yeah, it's a similar approach to the material. Yes. So uh, uh, he's I, played
0: by Chris Diamantopoulos.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, that name sounds familiar. It he's does. He's
0: Like he's like very traditionally good looking, but he's like kind of short and his like facial hair is over groomed, so he still looks kind of funny, and it like works really well to play mm-hmm. the like hot but detestable guy and i think like pj burns like a little bit but yeah anyway that's a really good point that yeah if it was like a straight up hot guy with that character worked. Right. worked, i don't know
2: <laughs> but i think part of what makes that character work so well it's like pj burns like comedic timing mm-hmm. is perfect mm-hmm. like the idea when he's like or on this stupid work retreat and his boss like gives him this look and he immediately like without even a hesitation it's like oh no not not us like everybody else and he's like bald is the new black just like <laughs> the timing for yeah. that is so good it's so every good every
0: time he does the uh the cell phone bit where he like tells the person he's talking to you to shut mm-hmm. up because he's mm-hmm. on the phone with his hand i love that bit he does it like 50 times and it's funny mm-hmm. every time where he's just like hand but, on the phone yes. and just his hand in the face and again the phone's very very obvious because he's opening and closing a phone mm-hmm. for so much of the movie
3: and Rich. i i think though too i mean even so even like branching out to all these characters like what makes this so special is that what this has in common with three and maybe even like half of one, I think is that all these characters are generally likable minus like the one or two odd man, odd, like douchebags out. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, three, you have the Texas battle character, but like, even like the hot girls who you would presume would be like the hot bitchy ones Mm -hmm. are like nice characters. Mm -hmm. And so you have, characters that you like in this movie like I, I like Candace even though she's presented as a bitch but even though her one flaw quote-unquote is that she has glasses but she's self-conscious about it and Olivia, that, like, Olivia is, you mean um damn it yes fuck that's okay fuck, I only
0: remember because I'm like it's hot girl glasses representation and it's very <laughs> important to me
3: but like and like and obviously we all know that Olivia is hot but like she's yeah. very self-conscious about it and it's such yeah. a superficial thing but honestly I think that um uh, it's Jacqueline McInnes's Woods performance is so like empathetic to the fact where you're like oh I actually like, really like feel bad for this girl mm-hmm. because- Yeah, and even when she goes to the LASIK office and she's so scared nervous, scary, nervous yeah. it's it, like you immediately latch on to this character and even with Candace so hers is her baby fat but she's also like fucking her boss kind of thing and she's really mm-hmm. insecure and then obviously this wife, she's in gymnastics which plays a very crucial <laughs> part in her death but yeah. like I like all these people
0: yes. yeah yeah It works really well like even as they start to lose themselves a bit they're still really likable and again I love their I was like you know I keep being like oh hot girl with glasses representation but much like the tanning bed women in part three um it's rare that you see like women characters that are the hot girl that aren't just like immediately made to be unlikable like Mm -hmm. they're always like unattainable so they're a bitch and it's like such a common thing Mm -hmm. so I love that in three and in five the like really unattainable hot girl is also like very cool and you like her Mm -hmm. and she's relatable and it's like oh He's, job, able movie. Like, he's able to crack jokes at the funeral and like make. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> okay. You guys know I'm going to, like, I can yell. <laughs> i yelled on this for five episodes in a row, yelled about this for five episodes in a row, uh-huh. that the funeral scenes in these movies are what make them so incredible mm-hmm. because they do such a good job of portraying grief in movies. We're well, not necessarily a good job portraying grief, but they actually show some grief, which a yeah. lot of slap, mm-hmm. well, I know we're saying supernatural, whatever, but a lot of these movies don't get to do. And they do it really well. And the laughing at a funeral, or I guess it's so weird. It's like a joint funeral by their boss when it's like a bunch of young people died. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. But I guess let's we'll call it a memorial.
3: Uh, <laughs> when, he, when he calls PJ Burns' name.
0: Yeah, he's like, like, <laughs> like was name Ian or something? And then he's like, did you just say your name? And they start laughing. And then the other guy says, I see dead people. And it's just like, but it feels yeah, real, cracking right? jokes right. and laughing at a funeral. Like that is real Mm-hmm. shit and it's so yes. good that moment i was like mm, i can watch that moment 20 times in a row <laughs> i love it.
2: it it feels like a really human moment and i see dead people that must be an easter egg that kind of gives away oh
1: c- yeah because six cents would have just come that out
3: hot at the time so
1: Oh my god. So, yeah. no,
3: and no that that's because okay, you're watching this and you're like, oh that's a really fucking dated reference, but then in hindsight it's like, oh, it's a clue. Yep. Oh my god, I didn't even
1: think of that. Oh, that's mine so good. Is
3: blown. But you brought it up, so
2: I so it, you know oh, well, we would have forgotten God. about that. That's really was. clever though. That's like so really, really smart. Is. It really <laughs> is. Like if they had God, done something right, like right. if they had done something like the soup Nazi from Seinfeld, like yeah, you would be that like, might be a clunky. bit more dated at this point. Yeah. Um yeah. but no, I think that kind of like casts oh, so it like really well, you know. Um <laughs> love that
0: so, moment, yeah. love that scene.
2: I think that Olivia gets to be funny and she never like she likes to hang out with her coworkers like mm-hmm. when they're in the mm-hmm. office together she's like yeah i'll have a couple drinks with you guys like not a problem oh, I, I love, love that friend. scene I, I love like that scene too a yeah. lesser movie would have been like why would i hang out with you clowns and then yeah she would have, gone I have to
0: right yeah
2: so i actually and you know to your point like trace like talking about her insecurity about like her glasses like she has this like outward confidence like when she's getting kind of body shamed by Candace Mm. um she's like well they're called breasts
3: you know you know like she she, takes her shirt off and she's like in front of her colleagues yep well but and Candace's reaction that's coming from horror insecurities like yeah yeah. it's it's not like a super nuanced movie but like Mm -hmm. it's a combination of Heiser's screenplay which gives some rather like surface level material Mm -hmm. and these actors who were actually like I don't even want to say overqualified for a Final Destination five movie, mm-hmm. but like they they really go into it and make you care. And that's they raise so the bar. Respectful.
0: Like the whole movie mm-hmm. looks and feels better because the acting is better. It's the directing's better. The quality is mm-hmm. better. Um, even like um, the opening credits, and I could talk about the credit. We could do an episode on the credits, <laughs> but like mm-hmm. the opening credits after you watch. I mean, part one sure, but you watch the remaining movies. And then you watch the opening credits of this film and you're like, oh, this is a better movie. And it's just like an animated sequence. And you're like, oh, this is going to be better than its mm-hmm. predecessors. Like it looks a million times better. Even just like the way the glass breaks looks a million times better. So there's it comes also, in really hot.
3: There's also no like new metal in this movie compared yes. to what we had in The Final Destination. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Final Dest- The Final Destination is definitely
2: that really bad like chugga chugga um, screamo. Like that just does nothing for me. Like I mm-hmm. hate 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 that kind of like and I, you know I don't think I think that was like the last gasp of like rock music and I don't yeah. think Most Spock,
0: come, you know, come
2: on I don't think it's sorry. Any sur- that's oh my God, okay. I thought it was
0: muted. that's embarrassing nope,
2: That's all right <laughs>
1: um, I don't think oh, sorry. it's that stays Cut in. this
0: out Nope. nope that's that going I'm going to yell <laughs> over it I'll swear okay keep going <laughs> You swear all the time
2: it's <laughs> so, um that's sorry um I don't make the rules so uh but I think like it's no that is like the last gasp of rock and roll. And now rock music is pretty much dead.
3: Yeah. So
0: I don't, I don't know what to like make that. of
2: that, I but mean, I mean I
3: assume so. I don't listen to it, but I assume <laughs> it is. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> Ten years later. It seems
0: like an expert. No.
2: I don't know well I mean like what was the last great like rock and roll band that we can think of like what's a great rock and roll band from the past oh 10 years
0: I didn't prepare like, for this line yeah. of questioning
2: everything is sorry we go in these <laughs> terms, but there's like it's all like hip-hop and r&b and pop music like there's nothing like there was in the late 90s early 2000s anymore you
0: disagree you write the band you like in a five-star review absolutely
2: like give us a five-star review and then give me music recommendations at this point too. Cause I need, you know, my Spotify list is basically like you need to stop listening to stuff from 1993 to 1995, dude. Like music is,
3: moved and on this i mean there's more of a score in this too and i, I know i'm sure i've mentioned this i listened to most of your one and three episodes i haven't listened mm-hmm. to two yet but i'm um, shirley walker did the score for um mm-hmm. the first three films before her death this mm-hmm. is the first film in the franchise to not use any of her tracks so mm-hmm. brian tyler like did all this like original music for it and i think um i think that was maybe a good way to go like it doesn't feel nostalgic but that's also maybe part into it where we're like oh we don't want to connect it to the other films mm-hmm. because we don't want to like again do yeah. another clue as to what this movie mm-hmm. is i don't know
2: yeah, the only pop cue I can think of is they have like an Everclear song when one of the characters drives up. He's listening to like a song by Everclear. If you had like a whole movie populated with like music from like the late '90s, that would be maybe too much of a giveaway. So that's a really mm. good point right there. Yeah,
3: um, I mean the, the the big like the what the 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 death is a the death is coming song is Dust in the Wind, Dust but that's wind. like a '70s song. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's like a generic could have fit anywhere. And it's cool because, like, even though Dust in the Wind it's so silly, but death has manifested as wind in so mm-hmm. many of the movies. Like, <laughs> right. there's always wind. So it's kind of fun that they went with the wind and, like, they drive the wind thing home. And, like, in every movie, like, I can picture when I, like, close my eyes, I see Mary Elizabeth Winstead's hair blowing in the wind before
1: someone <laughs> dying. Like,
0: it happens in every one. And uh, so, like, then they go to Dust in the Wind. And then one of the earlier deaths, I guess it's not the first death. Who dies first? I'm just picturing Candace's Candace. death. Candace, no, first? I think okay. Candace dies first. Yeah. So Candace's death is like all because of fans. So like, <laughs> they like dust in the wind. And then it's like beautiful. And the bridge falls. They say like the, well, they say the The wind was the too strong. And strong winds. <laughs> it's strong winds cause I the bridge it. collapse. So it's well, like very wind heavy.
2: There were, what Wait, oh were my the, god,
0: all of them. I'm like, I'm like rattling through every death. I think wind is responsible for all of them. Wind, it's wind and water. Wind knocks like wind on the bridge and then they fall into water. Wind knocks over the water cup, which is what kills Olivia. Wind blows the dust in Candace's face. What
3: about the Buddha statue for uh, what's his face?
0: Yeah, yeah, figure well, that one out. Lindsay. Yeah, oh, well, I got excited. It's horrible like, theory. Thing. There
3: we go. But, I mean,
2: in terms of the music... Yeah, the, the
0: alcohol's first, not really water.
2: No. In the first one, you have, like, John Denver's um, mm-hmm. Rocky um, Rocky Mountain High, I think yeah. is the song they use there. Which and is then, a little
3: tasteless, but yeah, sure. Mm-hmm,
2: seeing that he died in a plane crash for yeah. John Denver. <laughs> I think he was, like, drunk flying, too. Oh I God. think that was something he, like, routinely did, was, like, you would get, Oy. like... Bombed and then go fly a plane. So, John Denver, Secret Badass. Do not recommend kids. Do not
0: recommend flying a plane. Also, maybe that's what happened in Final Destination. Maybe the pilots were just
3: the next prequel. The next one will tell us.
0: It'll be a pilot (laughs) spinoff. If the next Final Destination, maybe a character is a pilot, we'll all see what's coming.
3: You'll get another prequel with the
2: pilots at the bar before Flight 180 takes off and Mm. they're like doing tequila, like round after round of tequila shots, really putting them (laughs) out. Like
0: With John great. Denver in the most tasteless fucking right. movie of all time. So, um,
2: the you know like if we, if the pilot will be John. It's like well, this connecting flights from Denver um, <laughs> just really bad. The second movie has I think i would Hell. Hell.
1: Yeah, um, I
2: don't think there's three and four i don't think uh do. no three, three has yeah, that there is someone yes you're right walking you're right.
3: behind you oh roller- yeah
0: but they also listen to love roller coaster later
2: if you don't i yeah. think our new patron um here is going to be karaoke yeah yes. we'll just get together
0: wall we'll thing we'll also but it's only tracks
1: from um, final destination only movies specifically. Final
2: destination soundtracks um but yeah, and, th- it, and again, with Love Roller Coaster, if you weren't cued into the movie you're watching at that yeah. point, to have like those two young women dancing to Love Roller Coaster after all their friends like die <laughs> on a roller coaster, it's just like perfection. They didn't do that just... math.
0: They just didn't think of it that they, way.
2: But, they're,
3: they're really special girls, though.
2: Yeah, they they're were nice really girls. fun. They were no, really fun. What do we think of the opening set piece? Like, where do you feel this one kind of like falls in the pantheon of like openings i think it's much better than the um Artboards like
3: NASCAR track, which I could not give a yeah, hoot NASCAR about. Yeah,
0: NASCAR is the worst one. Yeah,
3: it's, oh, it, I don't know. It's no, I agree. I think it, it's it's hard because I I, don't, I I I think two is the best, and that it's the most realistic and the most scary. You know, like that's mm-hmm. the one where you'll see people on Twitter like, oh, like taking a picture while they're driving a fucking like logs in a truck, mm-hmm. and I'm like, no. okay, well, you're missing you the point because you're that. also taking. It. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't, don't do, that. do that. But but I I think I put this one on par with three's roller coaster and. Only because what I actually like is I like seeing these people try to help each other mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. the opening disaster, yes. and so it's yeah. easier here because they're on a bridge. But with the roller coaster, it's like oh, like you see them trying to like hold on to each other. It's so it's mm-hmm. again it's yeah. character building in an action set piece. But um, so I put it on par with three for me.
0: I agree. Like I really love that it's long. First of all, like it's mm-hmm. super long, and even though you know it's probably going to reset, or I guess you probably do know that it yeah. will reset. <laughs> I should say, um, it's really long and so much happens. It does a lot of foreshadowing, like the way they all die is the same way that they die later. Um, so like the like spit through Peter. Peter actually gets killed by a bunch of spikes that land mm-hmm. through his body. Uh, yeah. um, Olivia's glasses fall off right before she dies and they like fall with because of whatever. So mm-hmm. like there's something about like her glasses falling off and then she dies. So there's like a lot of hints like that, which are pretty oh. cool. Um, Olivia's but... death
3: too, in in the premonition I love because she falls and she mm-hmm. survives, and you're like, oh, good for her. oh. <laughs> and which
0: is car, what happens. Just, she gets right. the laser to the yes! face and oh she survives, God. and then she falls right. Like it all kind of happens like that, which I think is really cool. Except that the so reverse much goes happens. On.
2: Like, she falls on a car, and then the premonition, the car. Oh, falls, a car falls, falls on, on her. her.
0: <laughs> yeah, like there's like oh, uh, there's a lot. Like there, Candice gets like the spine crushed. through. Anyway, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like oh, it's yeah, really cool it's like foreshadowed. I'm really scared of bridges in, in a way that I can't explain. Like, I don't know exactly what I'm afraid of. I just don't like being on them. So it's definitely one that's really effective for me in that way. Like I, it's also like I, um, where I went to school was really close to the Detroit border. So I was like right beside the bridge in the tunnel. And I took the tunnel every time. Like, I don't care. You could tell me that the tunnel was way backed up and the bridge would be like five minutes. And I'd be like, I don't care. I'm taking the tunnel. I'm not driving across that bridge. It's just, ugh, I don't like it. <laughs> don't want to be on it
2: you never worried about like the tunnel that's
0: what literally someone was like so when you're in the tunnel and i don't even know if this is true but the tunnel's always leaking there's always water coming through it and someone said to me that i don't know if this is actually true but that it was like a pressure release system that like it like let some of the water in so that like it didn't like crash like didn't like flood and i was like Mm -hmm. that's fucking scary (laughs) it scared me but then i was like i'm still more afraid of the bridge don't ask me why Mm -hmm. i just am so I think that's really effective for me personally. But yeah, the scene is long. Like yeah, there's some like dumb 3D nonsense like people come mm-hmm. flying at you that doesn't look great. But ultimately like like you know, there's like the CGI water or whatever, but like the water looks pretty cool. I like the way they all fall and die. Mm-hmm. I I like it. I think it's a really great long. It's really long and I like it.
3: And even in terms of the CGI though, like it's it's light years better than what we got in 4 which looks yeah. like a borderline cartoon. 100% um, but I, I, mean, again, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about the director now or. That's Go Okay, off. but a, yeah, a big, a big part of this film's success, 3D alone is that it does feel the 3D feels slightly more organic than it does in four. To where four is like, oh, it's 3D, let's throw things at you and make it real fun mm-hmm. and stupid. Um, whereas here, you have some of those moments, but honestly, most of it just works, and it's because the director Stephen Quayle is experienced in that. Like yeah. he comes from the James Cameron wheelhouse.
0: Yeah. So. Which yeah
3: yeah i mean so i mean it, um I'll, I'll just say this right now y'all we can talk about it but um yeah he so Stephen steven quayle he this is his first full-time like directing feature um he got his start co-directing aliens of the deep the documentary with james cameron but he got that gig because he was he got his start as in the business as second unit director on titanic and avatar mm-hmm. and i don't know if they used the technology for the final destination but i'm pretty sure they didn't and they used it for um this one. And that's why mm-hmm. Stephen Quayle got the job. And I think that, I mean, for a first time writing gig, this is pretty solid.
0: It's yeah. really solid. Like, it looks great. It's funny. Uh, when we watched this earlier, there's the scene uh, in the end, the way Sam dies. I was like, oh my God, he sounds and looks like Sarah Connor. And then you were <laughs> like, oh, that's James Cameron's protege, which, mm-hmm. of course, you know he didn't actually work on T two, but it's so similar to that. <laughs> you like,
3: know, you know, he, no, you know he's working on Titanic ninety seven. This is what six years after T two was being filmed. Yeah, like, and they're like, boy. he's like James Cameron's like, oh man, on T two, I got all these stories. But let me tell you about Sarah Connor yeah. burning, just to get that really <laughs> in your. And head. he's like
0: taking <laughs> notes. But like, what a like cool, what a fun nod to like. Oh, God. What a fun nod to your mentor to be like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to really quickly jam Mm -hmm. in a very similar death to like your most famous. As
2: as much as James Cameron, I think has a reputation for being a bit of a grump and hard to work, Mm -hmm. work for like, he does have a weird appreciation for these things. Like I love the story about um, that. uh, Reddy Harlan talks about like running into James Cameron at a party, like before, elm street 4 comes out and he's like oh you're doing an elm street movie like how are you bringing freddie back this time like he's plugged into that and he's like uh we're gonna have a dog piss on his bones yes. <laughs> that's brilliant and cameron's like that's brilliant do it so he has like a you know, an appreciation. I think for these things, and a, a bit of like the ridiculous. The
0: scream even like sounds the same. Like the way he does, like ah, oh, it sounds like exactly like Sarah Connor's it, nightmare. I love it.
2: It actually reminded me of like Hayden Christensen in Return in Revenge of the Sith. Like the- <laughs> no, no.
0: That's that was my I text really message sound for like ten years. Oh my like, god! No, well, no, not the Han- the like Vader one.
3: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah. Oh my god, mine was um. I have friends. I definitely have friends from Crazy Eight's <laughs> <Eddie's> girlfriend.
0: <laughs> that's funny. that's very good. That's very
3: Four.
0: good. And for a long time, it was the Tom Cruise yell from The Mummy. Mm, Someone like isolated it, was. it and it was like. <laughs>
2: I once um, programmed. Of course it was.
0: Surprising no one. Um, of course it was. Speaking of Tom Cruise, Miles Fisher.
2: <laughs> Let's talk about Miles Fisher. Did, should we, did we reach out to him and see if he was No, wants to come I on. chickened
0: out. Miles, come on our Patreon episode. Our I chickened out. Um, I bet he'd
3: do it. What is he doing now? I
0: know. What's he up to? He has a coffee company. I know. Trust me.
3: Um, <laughs> and you did like a deep dive on his Wikipedia page? No,
0: did not Okay, well, like the anecdote which I shared last episode was that. After we watched this movie, I looked up Miles Fisher and was like, why am I following his coffee company on Instagram? And it was because of some, like, Tom Cruise video that he had done. Um,
3: that's really, I, no, like, did the math later. Because Crystal Lowe, who's one of the tanning bed girls in 3, like, she, she got her, like, she was, like, doing, like, a bunch of, like, topless scenes in horror movies in the mid-2000s, mm. but she, like, now owns a restaurant in in, uh, in, in um, Vancouver.
0: You know what? And her, she should get her coffee supplied by Miles Fisher's coffee her, I
2: think, like, Kerr Smith is, like, a holistic life coach at this point. What? Oh. Yes. It's uh, it's weird. I it's definitely it's odd. Like if you look at his feed, like he does like holistic, like you can do it like life coaching, and I think he might be an anti vaxxer too. I could be wrong. That's less good. I was gonna be like good for him, but yeah, yeah.
0: um, can't really. But yes, Miles Fisher, plays Peter in this movie, there was like, we were watching it and I was like, this guy's doing a Tom Cruise impression. Like the whole second half of the movie, especially his scene where he's talking to his boss, sounds like he's doing a Tom Cruise impression and it's impossible to ignore. And then I realized that I had noticed him before because he did these Tom Cruise 2020 joke, um, like this skit. And he actually has like a lot of really great skits on his YouTube page. He does one about like agents, Hollywood agents are the worst or something. That's very funny, like really clever, well shot, well acted. It's really good. Well, and he um, got his
3: start doing a Tom Cruise impression in superhero movie.
0: Right. Which I like didn't know. Like I didn't know that while I was watching this movie. But then I was like, this guy's doing a Tom Cruise bit. I don't know if he knows he's doing it. <laughs>
2: For listeners at home, that is Lindsay's donkey's squeak toy. Right, oh, now
0: he's growling. I tried to take it from him. Now he's growling. He's,
3: now he's um, growling at you?
0: <laughs> like, not like he's play growling. Um, yeah, I didn't know that, but then I was like, this guy's doing a Tom Cruise bit, and it was mm. true. He totally is. He can't turn it off. But he also does an American Psycho bit, and he does a really good job with that, too. Like, the whole Christian Bale thing. I can see the
3: Christian Bale thing, too, yeah. Yeah,
0: he does it. <laughs> yeah, he does it really well. Well, you're just going to have to hear that. That's just how it is.
2: We'll just
3: see the squeaks in. You're- <laughs>
0: Awesome. <laughs> it's not really good timing but uh, hold on one yes. sec
2: my dog now is howling to get yeah. out of the room so let uh, me just yeah. take a quick take break it. here
0: just take care of that <laughs>
1: we'll
0: just wow oh the tom cruise he's not the best tom cruise impersonator but he's a very very excellent one he's in the top three i would say he's
3: i wonder <laughs> if like scientology like since tom cruise impersonator is like like cease and desist cease and desist <laughs> well so
0: i guess hang on I'll wait till Mike's back, but i don't know yeah he's in the top three he's not my favorite he's not in my opinion the best tom cruise impersonator but he's close he's, he's very close. close um okay this is uh we might have a break here speaking of tom cruise impersonations by miles fisher yes i don't think T- miles fisher is in the top three uh tom cruise impersonators or sorry he is in the top three tom cruise impersonators but he's not the best one um, and two. There is a guy that I do peripherally know his name is Evan Ferrante, and he is a really great Tom Cruise impersonator. Um, his Instagram and Twitter, I think, are all not Tom Cruise. His sketches are like he actually has a saw one from like years ago that's very funny. They uh definitely vary, but he is like Tom Cruise speaks through him. It's just truly absurd. Like, <laughs> like when he talks, you're like, Jesus, man. Although Miles Fisher is so close. I don't know, it's pretty tough. But speaking of, because YouTube was like, oh, you've been watching the Miles Fisher sketches nonstop. You might be interested in this. He posted a teaser on his YouTube channel, but he's doing a follow-up to the Tom Cruise 2020. I think he's oh, doing like a concession him. bit or something. So it should be I, funny. I don't know. We're, we're big hear. fans over here.
3: But who's number fans. one? But that's two. Who's I don't know. That's one? just
0: like two. I was just saying he's in the top three. I didn't. Okay. I said he wasn't number one and he's in the top three. Well, we
3: know you don't like ranking things, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Um, I actually know. Like, given the cast, so we haven't really spoken much about Emma Bell or Nicholas DeGosto. I think uh, I, I love Emma yes. Bell. Um, I've been a fan of hers since the Adam Green movie Frozen, where, mm-hmm. um, she so Frozen's a movie that I un, like unabashedly love, and uh, she gives a monologue in that movie about her dog that genuinely it's the only horror movie to my knowledge that has made me scared and turn away from the screen and also cry um and she's great in that movie I wish she was given a bit more to do here than play mm-hmm. just like the the sad girlfriend type but I I, I like her fine yeah um, but, I think she's but, good but I think Degusta is actually a really good um like at final destination protagonist I think he's he's it's, really good in this role
2: it's impossible to look at D'Agosta and not like him like he just has this really likable mm-hmm. charm and quality about him mm-hmm. Like, he's a handsome person, but he's not like what I would say, like, unattainable handsome. Like, you know, some people you look at, they're so good looking. You're like, I hate you because Mm -hmm. you're hideous right now. Um, But he's like a good looking, charming dude. I think, Lindsay, you're still muted. So I see you trying to talk there.
0: That's embarrassing. Um, Yeah, he's just so cute. Like, he's definitely tall and good looking, and like, but he's just so adorable. Mm -hmm. They're like, really
3: cute. Lindsay, I know you did, but Mike, did you ever watch the very short lived NBC series Trial and Error? I did not. So it's
0: a it, reco for everyone's watch list who has yes. some time the next few days.
3: Literally. It's only available. You, I, I just bought the seasons on Amazon. Yeah, like I Prime, bought it. It's basically like, it's bit. it's a murder mystery show, but like from like a legal standpoint. So it's like, it's no, like, a it's,
0: it's, it's making fun of all those like legal documentaries we watched. Like the yeah. first season is not even loosely. Like it is very much based on the staircase, which is funny because it came out. I believe it came out before the resurrection of the staircase on Netflix, Mm -hmm. which I watched the staircase. uh, I think it was still called the staircase murders. No, it was called the staircase. I watched Mm -hmm. it in law school. And so, like, (laughs) I already knew it, but I don't think anyone noticed it when they were watching Trial and Error until it was resurrected on Netflix. Uh, Um, And then the second season is loosely based on the Jinx. So it's like supposed to look like those, but it's like a very jokey, over the top, like,
3: it's. it's it's, it's it's yeah it's yeah. De- but they have the 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 defendant was always going to be a celebrity every season so the first season mm-hmm. it's John Lithgow the second season it's Kristen Chenoweth and it's just hilarious there's so many bits J.M.A. is a com- sorry this is not relevant but he, he's he's no, gen- he's so charming in it though mm-hmm. like, yeah so- Watching so he plays the
0: like city lawyer who has to move to the small town to fight this yes. case and he's got like he's just so cute like his like hair is super slicked and he's like trying to be nice to everyone but he like is a study boy who misses <laughs> his bagels and it's so ridiculous oh
1: and boy
3: it.
0: it's so good
3: it's i good. will check that out
2: i will definitely and it's only two seasons
3: yeah and it's, yeah, it's, it's like it's a 30 minute episode i guess 22 okay. minutes minus commercial yeah, you so could, it's, like, it's high recommendation I'll write
2: through them It's going to be one of those things where I get to the end of it I'm like, there should have been more of this and I'll be angry if there's not.
0: Yeah, it's Ah. one of those ones that because of like who owns it and where it is, it's like not on netflix or anything like that mm-hmm. but it's one of those shows that like if it ended up on netflix like that oh, one better off nuts. ted
3: mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. if they ended
0: up on netflix or something like that everyone would watch it and it would show back up okay. and
3: people were like oh why did this get canceled um because you didn't watch it right i think it that's, that's a problem there's like so much content at this point it's
2: mm-hmm. absolutely and like shows to get like big numbers now like the walking dead or is it example oh. when like oh yeah I, I haven't watched it past season two like i tapped out on it but for a while like it was the biggest show on tv at like 15 million viewers a week mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. that would get you canceled in like 20 years ago like oh, yeah. that's not enough and that's still you know we had like a few hundred channels so how much yeah. like viewership has changed and a lot how of those we-
0: like NBC, like even look at the good place the good place mm-hmm. had an entire first season and time between seasons before it showed up on netflix and it wasn't yeah. until netflix that it like mm-hmm. really blew up because like mm-hmm. those shows that like land for our demographic just a lot that's, of us aren't watching cable right. like a that's lot actually of us what, watching it
3: that's what cbs has started doing they've started putting mm-hmm. the first season of some of their shows on netflix to build an yeah. audience for it before the season two yeah. premiere it's so um, smart but actually with the walking dead to bring it back to final destination five mm-hmm. emma mm-hmm. bell was also in the first three episodes of the yep. walking dead yeah
0: yep. oh my god yeah <laughs> yep.
2: so i was thinking of yeah yeah and I remember her from Frozen and again like the, you're right the scene where she talks about <sighs> you know her dog is going to die and wonder yes. where she is is like so sad. It is one of those really heartbreaking. It's a, a great movie. It. Like oh, I really
0: Lindsay. like Adam Green and I, like it's everything that I like. Like I know yeah. I will like it. I just haven't it's, watched
3: it yet. It's weird. It's a movie where like some people like hate it because they yeah. hate the characters and I watched mm-hmm. that movie and I'm very much like these feel like real people making yes. real decisions to me. But some mm-hmm. people are like, oh, that's stupid. Why would they do that? And I'm like, okay, well, you know what? You're stressed out on the fucking like ski lift right. Like <laughs> yeah. You're going to make some bad decisions. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. I feel like it's yeah. like a lot of what I would really like. There's like, and I've said this before, I really have like, I really consciously try to not put pressure on myself to watch certain things immediately. Mm-hmm. So that when, not that I have like so many of those, but when you have that like Sunday with nothing to do and you're like, I want to watch something good. I don't want to mm. watch something random. Like what were those good movies that I was saving? And
3: Ooh, watch Frozen better. soon. Yeah, yeah it's I, like I in that, that category Definitely. of like,
0: when you're like, what do I want to watch? I want to watch something good that I haven't seen yet. Yeah, I know,
2: to, like, I know yeah. Green is probably best known for like the Hatchet series. Mm. Yeah. Um, But I would say like his two best works, I would say would be Frozen, And also like Digging the Marrow with Ray Wise. Mm -hmm. Uh, Digging the Marrow is really good. It's kind of a hybrid found footage documentary type Mm -hmm. movie. Like there's part of it is like a documentary that takes place like among horror conventions and interviewing horror fans. And then it has like this really cool narrative with like Ray Wise in it as well. Like it's really enjoyable.
3: I will uh, say that that's a movie I I don't like it, but okay. but my husband just rewatched it and he mm-hmm. said because he didn't like it the first time either, but he said on a rewatch he actually liked it a lot more. Yeah. So I've I've been considering giving that a rewatch. I, I would I recommend. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I would strong recommend. Uh, like it's I the Hatchet series is fine. Like it, it is what it is. Yeah,
0: it's I like cool. Hatchet, but like I like trash. I yeah. like trash that well yeah like, i think i shouldn't what say makes... i like trash i don't mean like bad. i like movies that like know what they're doing and do it exactly. and it's nope. fun uh-huh. and i feel like the hatchet movies know exactly what they're doing they're making yeah. like a bad friday the 13th parody and if you're like uh-huh. willing to do that then you're gonna well like i think what like, makes oh, digging not.
3: up the marrow and frozen a bit different it's just different for him if you only know him mm-hmm. for hatchet because they are actually sure. more serious like mm-hmm. digging Up the marrow has some humor in it but it's not like Hatchet no. humor frozen yeah. is like dead serious
0: yeah. right Right. They're
2: both really good. I'd strongly recommend for both. The one note with like Sam and Molly that I don't like in this movie a little bit is when he's like, Sam obviously has all these ambitions, like he wants to go on to be a great chef. Mm. I don't like the trope when a character is like, I will give up like all of my dreams to be with this one person because to me that puts like an extraordinary amount of pressure on the other half to like mm-hmm. live up to these ideals because at some point there's going to be like a Thursday night where one person's going to look at the other and go look at what I gave up to be with you and like that's not really fair I yeah. think
0: she knows that mm-hmm. in a lot of ways I think that I like agree. that's kind of almost why that works is that you buy that she's saying like I don't want you to do that
1: mm-hmm
0: but I do agree, like, it is like the whole like love or career that's like right. a tired a thing. Lot. But like, I do think like, yeah, like, part of it is that she knows that, which is why she breaks up with him.
3: Mm-hmm. It's also like, is this the uh, okay, correct me wrong. is this like the only one with like a true romance at its center? Because like, mm-hmm. I know we, we we have the Alex Clear stuff Clear. in the first one, but it, like, mm-hmm. the sex scene was cut out, so it's not mm-hmm. really a romance.
0: The second one, I can't think of any. The third one,
3: they don't have a the relationship. The third between. one,
0: the two of them don't, but they're kind of motivated by the losses of their
3: right. Thing the and fourth others. one, the
2: couple is together, but I mean, again, they're kind of like
0: yeah
2: a pair of wet
3: rags, so it's not really <laughs> yeah.
0: Advanced, <you laughs> know? yeah. I think they're together. I don't um, really remember. Yeah, I
3: yeah, I think this is the yeah. only entry with like romance as like a driving force for characters yeah. in it, which which is <laughs> interesting because yeah, I it's I don't yeah I don't love the trope either, but. For the most part, I think it works.
2: And really sad at the end because she's just like stuck to her
3: guns. Oh, she man. She might still be around. Actually, so- that's the subversion of the trope, Mike. It's like, mm-hmm. see, don't nope. do it, ladies. Don't do what
0: they say. <laughs> don't great. let them talk you into it.
3: If
2: her last words before getting sucked out of the plane were like, you
0: son of a bitch. You, know? you did this to me. I should have stayed
1: in, oh. in the US.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh, also, speaking of Easter eggs, the restaurant that they're flying to is that it he one? works at is the restaurant that Sign kills Alex, or not Alex? That kills uh, what's his name? The other Carter. guy in part Person one,
1: Carter. Oh, yeah. oh my god! <laughs> this is
2: a really good jumping point. Then let's run through some of the Easter eggs that we found.
0: There are hundreds. Book. There, okay. not maybe not hundreds. There are so many. My favorites Trap are the restaurant. Hearts. That's mm-hmm. my favorite one. Um, all the 108 stuff. I'll let you chat about, or the 180 mm-hmm. stuff. I also really like that Roy, the guy that, um, that he gets, gets He killed. gets the hook through
3: his chin yeah. and his has cancer.
0: Oh, yeah, it, and whatever. They show at his like little bar memorial thing, um, they show a picture of him and he's posing with car six, mm-hmm. which is the car from Final Destination
1: mm-hmm.
0: 4 that yes. kills everyone at the NASCAR race. Yep. So
2: I thought that was cool. Olivia has the framed photograph of her in front of, like, the Devil's Ride.
1: The Devil's um, Roller Coaster. Yeah! Oh, like, I know! Yeah. There's
2: so many! Um, there that one's is, so good. There, obviously, there is, like, the log truck from part two. Yeah. So we have all of those little and nods. And the
0: stadium is named... There's something about the NASCAR McKinley. stadium. Oh, and I guess that's McKinley's from part one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's not that exciting for this one. Um, yeah, the car was my favorite. The devil, the roller coaster thing was a
3: cool well, one. So, okay, my, my only question about that, and of it doesn't really matter, but, like, so because this is a prequel, I was under the impression in 3 that it was, like, a pop-up carnival, like, for mm-hmm. that specific... Oh, I guess maybe, though, like, it would have popped up where Olivia was. It's traveling, yeah. It yeah, that's up. true. Okay, yeah, that's fair.
1: Yeah.
2: So, and you also mm-hmm. have, like, theme parks that have, like, the same rides. Like, your Six Flags has, right. like, mm-hmm. branded rides throughout. Like, if you go to Universal Florida and Universal... Uh, California, I think you're going to get pretty much the same experience. Right. So, yeah. I don't know, but, hmm. but I thought that was, you know, it was fun because, like, those are fun Easter eggs where you don't necessarily have to have seen any of the other movies in order for them. Like, they're not, they don't, nothing hinges on it whatsoever. But what is cool is, like, when you do notice them, it's like, it definitely like makes you perk up a little bit.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I enjoy the little rewards. Like, it's thing. like getting a treat what about the ones that point to this being oh and also like the 180 stuff there is the um certificate that Isaac steals the expiration date is like 63001 which is obviously a clue that like holy crap this is set in the past but also when you multiply 6 by 30 by 1 you get 180.
3: 180 that's so um, clever
2: I think the um, training video they're watching on the bus, there's a reference to the company being like blah, 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 180 <laughs> as well. So like that's in there. Does it the does bus have a number?
0: One, yeah, <laughs> the bus's know. numbers add up to 108 what? Or something like that. Like actually, there's that a video, I'll link where it like lists all of them. And a lot of them are like stretches, but they're there.
1: But they're there.
0: Um, actually, what? weirdly that looks like i haven't read it but there's an article that came out in march of this year on the on nerdist decoding the number 180 in the final destination franchise so that's fun wow any that's a fun read in there yeah but uh, there are so like oh my gosh there's so many
2: what um, about the ones that point this to be this being a prequel
0: so you mentioned the ticket the expiry date is 2001 mm-hmm. um which like blink and you'll miss it because you're kind of just looking at, oh, and there's something about the name of the spa that he goes to uh, is like, oh God, this is riveting. So, I'm like, the name is something from something, but it's something that if you like translate it as something to do with like death chasing, something like that. I'll figure that out. Funny. I'll find that out and let uh-huh. you know. Um, but yeah, that's in 2001. We got the cell phones. I'm trying to think what else other than the hints. I mean, the uh,
3: d- d- do you want to pay attention to the cars?
0: So I did, but I didn't notice it. And it's yeah. funny because, like, of course, I noticed it in the Spiral trailer, which I won't shut up about. But um, <laughs> but it's wild that, like, I didn't notice it in this. But, of mm-hmm. course.
1: Yeah. Um,
3: I, I just... I, I don't... It's such a clever... And yeah, th- this... It, it can be a segue slash, like, diversion. But, like, you know, I think if you didn't see this in... The, if you did see this in theaters, you know, you're coming off of... And, I, Mike, you would clue this into this pre-recording. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're coming off of what is mostly considered the worst film in the franchise and overall a pretty dismal film overall.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Expectations watching this are low. So your, your brain is not looking for these things. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if someone like watching it today, if they've only seen the first four and they quit after the fourth one, and having heard, oh, five is so good, also that ending rocks, mm-hmm. if people are going to be more attuned and like look for the, even if they don't know, it's a, it's like a time tease, a time twist, if they're going to be more attuned to looking for it.
2: I think that yeah. because there is such an E, like you can get the first four movies for 15 bucks on Blu ray mm-hmm. and they are packed, like they, I, I've said this in other episodes and I'll say it again, like it would, what you get with like Arrow and Vinegar Syndrome and, um, uh, scream and shout factory like New Line Cinema was doing that for their like everyday releases twenty years ago like there was no special editions it was just like this is what we do in DVD so you I think now viewers because there's like such a, a an ideal you're gonna binge these movies like if you start with one you're going to do what you guys did. Like you guys binge horror movie franchises or like back to back to back and do that together. You're probably going to be more attuned to that. And because everything is so close together, things are going to jump out where this is a movie where five movies, like they weren't cranking these out like the Paranormal Activity or the mm-hmm. Saw movies or it was like less than a year in between. Like there's like three year gaps between the first few and then a two year gap between this and the other one. Which is
3: surprising, uh, right? Like two yeah. years. Yep.
0: There's also like about the like watching it later thing, though. I will say like as someone who did watch it later, um, it's harder to notice the technology changes. Like when you're watching a movie 10 years after it came out, it's right. really hard to like I probably if I wasn't noticing it, I might not have noticed the cell phone mm-hmm. thing because it's different when you're in a theater and you have your iPhone in your pocket. Mm-hmm. But like when you're watching it 10 years later, it's kind of harder to notice cars and phones yeah. being really different and yeah. clothes and everything, I think
2: that's a good point too because like who remembers like sometimes it's tough to remember what the fashions were but you might see like um nods to the previous movies like things like that might become like way more apparent um and i think like you know as much as we bag on viewers like i know there's plenty of movies where i'll just like lounge on the love seat and have like a phone in my hand and be kind of tweeting away but i think that like today's People that watch movies today are maybe less forgiving about things and more kind of in tune to continuity. And they do um, look for things like that.
3: I saw something, someone tweeting recently, because it was about the Wonder Woman 84 reception and how because you'll have a big blockbuster where, you, where people don't have to make an effort to go see it, like they're mm. going to be more harsh on it. Whereas if you mm-hmm. have to like get in your car, pay the money, drive to the theater, wait around, mm-hmm. like you're you're more forgiving because, oh, mm-hmm. I put an effort to see this. Yeah. So so yeah, I, I get that, That it's different. I agree with that. I, I was also I,
0: thinking, I'm oh, sorry.
3: No, you first, Lindsay.
0: Well, I guess kind of off topic, but just on the Wonder Woman thing, I almost was thinking that not only that, is that when you have to do all the work to see it, it's only people who want to see it. As mm-hmm. where, right. when it shows up on your streaming service, like anyone's going to watch it. Yeah. So that was also what I was thinking about, like the harsher critics, the mm-hmm. harsher criticism. Like everyone was saying like, oh, the, you know, the initial Rotten Tomatoes score was so high and then it plummeted when it, when it you know became more wide, and I was like, well, because people who didn't want to watch it watched it, as where like mm-hmm. even like think of like Cloverfield paradox, how they kind of snuck it, and there was the whole it doesn't have to be good, it just has to be there. Right. But, like if I was the person, like I'm the target audience for Cloverfield paradox. If it was only people like me who saw it, it would have been really different. And I think I don't know, that's a yeah. little piece on Wonder Woman, I guess. I, if, like who the audience? Chooses
2: I think to of be. like the movie that jumps out to me is like the Pet Cemetery remake.
1: Because
2: no, I, yeah. I think of like film festivals a lot, and the yep. movies that get like these receptions, like coming out of, I want to say, Fantastic Fest, the Pet Cemetery remake
3: was getting like
2: uh, maybe it was South by it South. Was, it
3: was South by because yeah. I was I didn't review it yeah. actually. I, I saw it though with Megan Navarro, mm-hmm. who reviewed it for Bloody Disgusting, mm-hmm. and yeah, like that, that movie oh, like got people
2: raved rave about by. it, mm-hmm. and I remember going to see it in theaters and being like, "You got to be kidding me! Like this movie is what I would say not good." Um, And I think there is, and I love Starry Eye, so it wasn't like I went into it like I'm prepared to be disappointed like no I don't go into movies that way like I, you know, and one of the things I love about and I'll say like, you know, the editor over the editor in chief over blighted disgusting like Mm -hmm. one of the things I love about john squires and I know some people don't like this is that he actively champions movies like he wants yes. to root for movies he doesn't go in with a cynical point of view and he's much more prone to talk about 99 movies he loves and one movie he doesn't like mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. that's a wonderful way to kind of approach things so i don't go into movies not wanting to like things and i'm just like i can't believe like i'm known for i hate mandy like i hate that mandy. i don't like
3: it either <laughs>
2: thank you but it's growing i think it's I, really boring yes <laughs> Oh my God! It
0: yeah, is story. what it is, and it's only what it tried to be. But anyway, no, no, <laughs> I'm just right. joking. I'm joking. It, 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 I'm when it is
3: beautiful. I put off watching Color Out of Space for so long because mm-hmm. I was like, God, it's just I gonna be another like Mandy. I Space. liked Color Out of Space, yep. but Colorado I did not Space, like Mandy.
0: I did not like Color Out of Space, Again, but, but thank God for my friend Joe Lipset, because we were in a theater of people like, yeah, best movie ever. Oh, I know Joe
3: didn't like, like it. it. <laughs> um, but I know I'm going to tag on to your John mm-hmm. Squire's thing because yeah. one thing he always says too is, you know, especially on Bloody Disgusting, like the readers in the comments are just so mm-hmm. like, oh, we love it or oh, we fucking hate it. Yeah, everything is extreme. John Squire's mentality is like, look, most movies are fine. It's like two and a half out of five or three mm-hmm. out of five. That That is most movies. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And I, I like that mentality. It's like, you know, the, it, there, there aren't always these extremes. You don't have to yes. think about it like a all time.
2: Most movies are a C. plus
3: Yeah. Exactly. You know, um
2: like, you know, nobody goes out to make a bad movie. Uh very rarely. I mean, there are some cases where, you know, you could cynically say something like The Room, you kind of know what you're getting <laughs> into right away. Um but I think nobody goes out and it's a, an effort of like so many people and most movies are like a C to C plus. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay and it's okay to be that. It doesn't have to be
3: This game changing thing. I think people also read C plus as the negative. know, I've given movies a C plus that Mm -hmm. I've been like, no, I would recommend it still. It's just Mm -hmm. like it's not gonna blow you away. It's Mm -hmm. fine. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's good.
3: Yeah. So ratings are tough.
2: I would say like this is one of those scary. I think like when, you know, and I've said that I think this is the best franchise of the first decade of the 2000s mm-hmm. um you know mm-hmm. there's, like, there's hostel there's saw um this predates like the paranormal activity I think we'll kind of end by talking about where this kind of sits but I don't think this gets the same kind of love that a lot of those other series do overall and it's maybe not talked about in that way i think like I the general think- reception is like they're good movies they're fine but they don't get that same kind of reverence i would say they' like this is a This is a kind of like what this franchise as a whole does right in terms of like likable characters, great deaths, great practical effects, a really cool premise that they don't feel the need to tinker with and like change dramatically from the first. Like if you watch part one and then part five, the formula still works like it looks the same. It's not like if you watch Elm Street one and then skip two, three, four and five and then watch Freddy's dead, you're kind of like, yeah, what? happened there and i love all the elm street movies like the only one i don't like is the remake this one is very consistent i think that if you look at the lessons of this franchise as a screenwriter as a filmmaker there's a lot of really good things you can take out of it that even if your premise is nothing like this series the components are
3: there to make great movies with Mm -hmm. whatever you want to do Mm -hmm. well yeah i i think I do think that it, it has reverence in our circles, like specifically mm-hmm. like horror, like online journalists and horror mm-hmm. Twitter. If you I, I really hate saying that, but like horror Twitter. But in the think, mainstream, yeah. mm-hmm. it doesn't. Like people that aren't like super into horror, like us, like they're mm-hmm. gonna they're gonna go, oh, Saw, Paranormal Activity, like wh- whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah, like, we're like, no, y'all, we know where it's at. I mean, we mm-hmm. you know we know Saw. Blah blah blah. blah. But like, the, the Final Destination is like the franchise. Um, but I think, yeah, it's a franchise that, like y'all have already said before, it knows what it wants to do. And in at least in my opinion, four out of these five films, it accomplishes it in every shape, way, and form. Mm. And it also it, it interacts with the audience. I think that's what makes it special, too. It like plays with the audience and it's yeah. having like an active engagement with mm-hmm. them in these death scenes that I think make it stand out from something like your standard, quote-unquote, horror franchise. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah. And like we said, like, all of these things, specifically the logs on the truck, all of these things are things that, like, people reference as how their behaviors change as a result of scary movies, or the opposite. It's all, like, things that scare you enough that you change your behavior. Mm -hmm. And this one, I think, goes even, like, all the way there, like... So it takes, actually, it's funny, now that I'm thinking about, like, the timing and things that scare you, I'm trying to think of, like, the timing of laser eye surgery and, like, when it became.
3: No, it, it, so my, I think my parents got it in the mid-2000s. So it's, like, this isn't, like, right on the cusp of it. It's, like, yeah. a, it's, I mean, I, I think LASIK became a thing in the 90s, like, as in, like, it was invented in the 90s, yeah. but it wasn't, like, widely used until, right. like, maybe the early to mid-2000s. Yeah. I'm trying to, I
0: wonder if that was, like, another, like, and I
3: yeah, and but, and I think yeah like, a lot of these like... things are, Yeah even if it's commonplace
2: now, it's still kind of a scary thing to think about. Like this laser is going to like go right into my eye. Mm -hmm. You know, even though, you know, like, you know, millions of people do this and it's totally fine and there's going to be nothing wrong with it. It's still kind of like a weird thing to kind of think about. Um, So let's talk about that death as well as the gymnast death, because I Mm -hmm. think that you have, it's for individual deaths, like those are like a really good one-two punch in terms of like, what they do and what they accomplish, because that gymnast death is probably mm-hmm. like the sickest in terms yeah. of body
3: horror of really? anything in this series. Well, and th- those are two good ones to compare too, because one, Lasik is something that uh, maybe not everyone has done, but they've uh, anyone with bad eyesight has at least considered doing, and like that will put them off of it. Whereas the gymnastics death is unique and that it's not, gymnastics isn't something that everyone does, right? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. we've all seen it. And if you watch the Olympics, you see it. And it's always one of those Mm -hmm. things, it's like, oh, how do these gymnasts like do this with their bodies? And so it's a really good way to play on it to where it's like, oh, I don't really, I have no experience with that, but I've seen it enough to where I can relate to it. And also, I never wanted gymnastics anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought about it once, I don't want to do it now. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Her death is so (laughs) jarring. Like you said, it is like weird body horror. What's fun, again, it's another one of the deaths where it messes with us. Mm -hmm. Like it happens. uh, It takes a long time and you don't know exactly what's going to get her. What's cool is the whole like electricity and water is something that has happened throughout the franchise. Even what ultimately gets Olivia, well, not ultimately, but what starts to get Olivia has something to do with electricity and water. And so there's like this electricity and water fake out with the fan and mm-hmm. the air conditioner dripping. And then she just like tosses her towel on it. And it's yeah. not what gets her. And it messes with us for a while, which mm-hmm. is again, a lot of all the best deaths throughout the series. that's not even what gets her. And then all of a sudden it's just like chalk, yeah. fan, dust in the wind, if yes. you might. And then <laughs> she's just like splat. And it happens yep. so fast. And it's like so scary. And another thing like, Well, I'll let you finish that thought. I our I our I
2: listeners couldn't that. see this, but as Lindsay did Dust in the Wind, she's yeah. so enamored of that, she got like right up into the camera. <laughs> like, Dust
0: <laughs> in the wind, like, if
2: you will. Drop, it was a mic drop moment right
3: there. Like, <laughs> and, and I I put that whole sequence, and even the death, the, the, end, the end result, but like the way it toys with the audience, it's on par mm-hmm. with the uh, Home Depot scene in three, you know, yeah. where it's such a long mm-hmm. sequence and it's teasing you with all these possible outcomes. And the one that you actually get is never the one you you expect right. it's no it just, you expect. it's such a masterclass. it's selfie. even
0: like the dentist thing like it yeah it, works
2: it lingers really well. it lingers for so long of that tiny little screw yes and yes that, yes, that little it.
0: the it oh and like i mean it does end up but yeah and her feet just jump mm-hmm. around it and right. i also think like the way it closes is so good because it really sets the first death it really sets a completely different tone for the movie because it's not I don't want to say it's funny but like she Mm -hmm. literally does a backflip and then splats and it's (laughs) like oh and then immediately again because these movies love grief it immediately gives us Peter sad and upset Mm -hmm. and it's such a weird stark contrast to the like ridiculous over the top not not cartoony per se but like silly way she flips and dies and she's just Mm -hmm. like and it's so ridiculous and then he's sad and it's like okay that's what's happening in this movie this movie is dramatic we're getting acting moments of a sad man who lost mm-hmm. his the love of his life and, and we're getting and, the drama but it's still a final destination movie right. where there's cartoon crazy deaths Well,
3: in a trope though well hey because again she's fucking peter like who's mm-hmm. her boss and yeah. it's a good trope where it's oh he actually did care about her he wasn't mm-hmm. just like having sex there but also like and again like i put this on par with three but three is much more humorous even though it is mean but like compare the cut from her body to Peter grieving mm-hmm. from the smash cut in three from the burning tanning beds to their coffins you know mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a again editing how that changes your emotional experience watching mm-hmm. a film but that's totally. a different approach these two films take and they both work very well
2: and you think totally. about like in the final destination like Nick Zanel's character dies in this really grisly way and mm-hmm. it's like best friend who's supposed to be his best friend, sees the <laughs> aftermath of it. But then he's never mentioned again mm-hmm. for the rest mm-hmm. of the movie. And like, they just like, well, what's, you know, hey, we beat it. Let's go to the movies. Yeah, um, so like, dumb. There's, never, there's never a moment of like, oh shit, my best friend is dead and I'm going to miss him. It's like, eh, he was a clown.
3: Um, well, and that's what sends Peter on a murderous spin, right? Uh-huh. His grief over Candace is what leads him to like want yeah. to murder Molly because he's <laughs> also been jealous of his friend who still gets to have his love life.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I think that like you're right. Like this sends like because Peter, the beginning of the movie is like a light character. He's kind of jokey, you know. He's in a very awkward position where he's like friends with everybody, but also has to be their supervisor. Um, I would recommend don't sleep with the interns. Like that is a generally <laughs> a good piece of advice if you're a supervisor for a lot of reasons. Like mm-hmm. don't weird... do that.
0: Yeah that yeah. bit is weird to me like even though they kind of make it like no he really does care about her and he loves her mm-hmm. i'm like ew are you trying to paint a picture like yeah. It's, unethical. It. it's unethical yeah but it is it's also like weird to paint a picture of like the boss sleeping with the very young and she's cast mm-hmm. young and she looks young and she's a mm-hmm. gymnast so she looks even younger type thing mm-hmm. um and she's like it's my last college practice or like mm-hmm. gag but they're like yeah. "Oh, but he loves her so it's cool like- and you're like no gag.
1: <laughs> a
2: little uncomfortable it so so would play as like, well now yeah
0: like the way they like subvert it by making it like they're mm-hmm. really in love i'm like no it'll work yeah.
2: <laughs> if they had gone with their original casting
3: choice of Ray Wise, it would have been even. It
0: would be even weirder, yeah. All right, so,
3: actually, weird. wait, question though, hypothetical. What if they flipped the genders and it was the male who was the gymnast and the young one and the woman who was the boss? It
1: it's would be just not as cool. Weird. Yeah,
3: it's still not cool.
1: It would be I different. Know... Well, I'm also thinking about,
3: though, like a woman being driven insane by love is like more tropey, though, than a man yes, being driven insane true. by
0: love. Mm-hmm. It is true. It is. So, building from that, what's interesting is. know we talked about new things that this movie did compared to the others like with the love story one of the new things it does is it gives us a human villain i think for the first time like you have gnats like you have annoying characters that mess things up in the other ones but this Mm -hmm. is the first time like peter i mean i never think of him necessarily as a villain because i just really like his character but peter becomes an antagonist for part Mm -hmm. of the movie um which is new and pretty cool
3: (laughs) yeah i agree i my only beef is i wish that more came of it like we Mm -hmm. get the reveal from tony todd who again Mm -hmm. i i subscribe to the idea that he is death not just Mm -hmm. like an agent of death Mm -hmm. um but where yeah he's like oh yeah if you kill someone you get the remaining years left on their life and while we get the great coda at the Mm -hmm. end of how that plays off um, i do wish maybe there was something more than just i mean it, obviously it builds to the climax in the kitchen which is a great also like setting but i i don't know i wish that more came of it than just mm-hmm. that like, like no one actually does get killed minus the hook guy which again is an accident so, Like, there's yeah. no yeah which that totally... whole
0: that scene oh, is and funky the, cop. Too. And, the cop.
2: and the cop i mean
0: the yeah cop the cop gets, gets killed
3: murdered, right which is what the thinks mm-hmm. he's
0: like all good
3: mm-hmm.
2: what um, do we think of that addition i mean every movie i like it plays with it a little and they all do their own thing where it's like you can trade places with somebody
0: Uh, i think it's fine i think i think it works really well in this movie so i'm like willing to forgive it for not existing in the rest of the movies
3: Mm -hmm. for plot purposes it works better for me than only new life can defeat death in just like that's the one that makes absolutely no fucking no
0: sense yeah i think it kind of works especially because even though it's a prequel by for us this is the fifth in the franchise so it's been a while where we kind of don't really understand right. the rules and like you said death's been catching up since the dawn of time mm-hmm. um and i think
3: we said that before we started yeah. recording
0: so let's go back a little bit i guess tony todd bloodworth shows back up in this movie he was missing for a bit he's back and he has this conversation where he explains the blood the kind of swapping life bit and he tells them this isn't the first time this has happened so he's like you aren't the first ones I've heard about this happening to and what's cool about that is because we think oh we're at the end of a franchise um and he's referencing the ones before but when you realize that it's a prequel it's kind of cool because you're like oh he's saying that this has been happening for a really long time because these are the first ones now that we know about as an audience so that's really fun so Trace kind of made the like note that yeah I guess Death has been trying to catch up mm-hmm. since the dawn of time, which is maybe true.
3: It was probably like the crucifixion or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just like shit. I really yeah.
3: they crucified. They were supposed Whoa. to crucify
1: barbarus. was supposed
0: to die and <laughs> right. it up, and he came back to life and fucked up everything. Oh. And maybe that's what's going on. And so, yeah, that's really interesting and fun. And so now the death swapping thing actually works better because it's like death just has a ledger and he's not actually spiteful he just has a ledger he has to keep up with
3: maybe well and it's also like you know maybe he's giving them like the, he's like okay well i gave them this advice in this in this instance it didn't really work out so let me try a different yeah, one for one <laughs> i'm not gonna
0: and tell we'll them about the, swap thing
3: then i'll just make some up some nonsense about only new life can defeat death just to watch them scramble yes. and like obviously nothing's gonna work yeah, maybe he's don't. just a
0: troll like maybe he's like <laughs>
3: i now yeah.
2: have this image in my head of like uh barbarous the criminal that was supposed to be crucified instead of jesus like uh-huh. living and then when jesus comes out of the tomb and pushes the boulder away it immediately like rolls down the hill and rose rushes barbarous <laughs> there we go
3: and that was the first instance
0: and that so. was the- <laughs> The first so body swap, the wonderful. life swap. and death
3: is like, God damn it. Ugh, okay, worth well, because like, <laughs> <Well, laughs>
0: yeah, by change. that
3: it's it's like a pandemic though, right? Because by mm-hmm. that point Barbarous had already like presumably interacted with like a bunch of people that mm-hmm. might have been killed if not for mm-hmm. his involvement. <laughs>
0: Damn, some butterfly effect nonsense again.
3: And when you think of like the idea of like Tony Todd as Death as a
2: Troll, nothing anyone tries in any of these five movies works. No. Um,
1: But I mean,
0: it kind of makes you wonder what's the character's name? Oh God. It's the only one whose name we haven't said yet because I keep forgetting what it is. Um, Give me a minute here.
2: Which one is is it? um, The guy
0: who does get life back.
2: Uh Oh. Nathan, the one who dies at the very, very end,
0: yeah, yeah. so Nathan like gets the life, but it just doesn't last very long. And it kind of does beg like we, we don't actually get to know if it would have
3: worked well, mm-hmm. I, I but see, I think it did. I think it I, mm-hmm. I think it does work. Honestly, I remember seeing it for the first time I didn't put it. I had to like think about it for a second because i I was like, wait, what? Oh, right. He would have like died any day. so it's like, <laughs> Yeah, But also technically, I mean, if you don't, I mean, I know you'll probably discuss this in three, but if you don't watch the choose your own death bit in three, mm -hmm. technically, Kimberly and the Blando cop guy in two do get away with it. Mm -hmm. But at least three retcons that to where they fall into a wood chipper. Yeah.
2: But overall, like the the overarching like theme of this series is Mm -hmm. like death is going to come for you. As a matter of fact, in part four, it does it to the point where it manipulates... All three of those characters, like you have the like, it is here thing that he keeps seeing mm-hmm. over and over again. And at the very end, like he sees it etched on the table, and you're like, Oh, this is where you were supposed to be actually all along. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't so much that the NASCAR crash was supposed to get you. It's like, nope, it was always supposed to be right here. Right. Um, so it's a really like for a fun series, it's a really
3: grim outlook overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, again, as, as as grim as it is for how fun they are, right? It, mm-hmm. it balances tones. Like, the, the best entries balance the tones the best. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really kind
0: of, like, where, yeah, like, back to the whole Candace's death and Peter. Like, it does a really good job of being like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> like, it just does that so, really
3: so, well. Okay, with Olivia's death then, how do y'all feel about the kind of, cause I will admit the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, the laser doesn't get her. Like, I, I was yeah. kind of a little bummed about it. Okay. I
0: guess it was like, yeah, I mean, her falling at the window is so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like I buy it because even when the laser starts to chew her eye, you're like, okay. The the thing win- about, it's not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> the,
2: thing about, like- the thing about windows and horror movies is they're... Very point. Their breaking point seems to vary depending on what you actually need to do. Like if you are in a recording booth, um, or you're behind like a big door, you then those do don't. They seem to not break no matter what you throw That's at them. That's funny. Um, but if you, if like a 98 pound woman like falls into it slightly. All of a sudden, like it shatters into a million pieces and she goes plummeting ah, to
1: death,
2: with her like know? sick
3: boots. Well, and, flailing and that's there. actually kind of the reverse of Olivia's death, though, where it's like, yeah, because again, you have her up there screaming, like she's mm-hmm. obviously traumatized, mm-hmm. and then she falls, and it's kind of like, oh, but then you get like the gag of the car running over her eyeball, which yes, is like yeah. which is
2: so disgusting. <laughs> which is yeah. so like you do get that like funny little like coda oh. at the end of it, like you <laughs> so like, hey, again, comedy um yeah it is
3: and it was the good eye wasn't it It was the eye that wasn't all scarred up
2: was just Uh, popping out of her head at that point which is but she's clutching is she clutching the teddy bear when she falls out the window yeah but but she
3: slips on the teddy bear's eyeball like that's what does her in but if you when she
0: hugs and like grabs the teddy bear she pops out the same eye of her Mm -hmm. that pops out Mm -hmm. and that's what she slips on
3: she's wearing those fucking
0: heels foreshadow well she has to because of beauty standards it's not her fault okay (laughs) glasses representation
2: (laughs) oh um yeah it's It's important yeah it's it's and would you leave like someone in like again i don't know like i guess no that whole thing is absurd
0: (laughs) where he's like like, brb and and then she's like she says, she's like wait you're leaving
3: (laughs) yeah he's out because the build-up is very similar to the tanning bed scene right like you mentioned Lindsay, it's very mm-hmm. much like oh the water doing the thing and it heats mm-hmm. it up, blah blah blah. but yeah that, that it's it doesn't take me out of the scene but when he just leaves her it's like that's mm-hmm. yep. also it's not a thing
1: mm-hmm.
2: and i do what do we think of i and again the other really big death in this movie is the um massage parlor scene mm-hmm. which i think is like hilarious because yeah obviously everybody knows why a guy like that is going to a massage parlor and then the way that is played where you have like a very small person like throw Mm. him around like a rag doll is is hysterical i really love that i really in that how that whole thing plays out is great and again it's one of those things where you look at what does him in it's like the buddha statue (laughs) crushing his said it's not the fire it's not like i thought it was going to be the needles like as soon as you start sticking him I'm like, oh man, he's gonna get a hundred needles through his chest and his face, and that's gonna be it. But it keeps upping the levels of ridiculous. Like, nope, it's the needles. Nope, well, now he's gonna be on fire. Actually, it's good, not gonna be that, it's gonna be crushed by Buddha.
3: That's a good thing too, though, at least in terms of marketing these films, because the trailer for this film heavily showed the acupuncture scene. Mm-hmm. And so you're all like, and I think there's even a shot of him pulling a needle out of him in the trailer. So it's like, oh, you really spoiled that death for me. And I love that, like, mm-hmm. this is, the whole movie's done in a way where like, you can't, I mean, even the LASIK scene, you know, the LASIK scene was in all the trailers. And so mm-hmm. you're built up for this thing. And so I kind of like that they do that to like, nope, it's this other thing. It's such a yeah. clever way to do it.
2: I would say the last two deaths you get before the climax, like, they kind of give up on the Rube Goldberg. Mm -hmm. aspect of it a bit they're kind of like okay we've done enough like there's only so much we can do like the dude getting the hook through the face it's really like the thing swings around he falls and he gets the hook through him
3: and then like then it goes further in his head
1: (laughs) with
2: a really grotesque moment and then like david kochner's like manager character Mm -hmm. um, just like a piece of debris comes flying out and like takes him out at that point so there's not like a massive set up for either of those or kind of like all right after five movies can we just have like a little bit of like an easy one
3: you're muted Lindsay, because
0: they're getting to the climax which is like mm-hmm. what they're trying to do right mm-hmm. um in a good way i can't remember i had a thought
3: about well, i was gonna ask y'all though because i mean even because um coach like the uh, the initials thing is cgi but then you get that practical effect of hit the wrench in his skull mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the effects in this movie, it's a mix of CGI and practical. Um overall, the CGI is okay. Yeah. Um, it looks a lot better than four. It mm-hmm. does. But like, you know, I think for me the peak of effects this franchise is two. And there's actually a, a feature on the on Tuesday DVD where they talk about how they do all the effects, and they like, you know, mm-hmm. went to Sam Winston, like, like like you use him for influence. But um, I think overall, the practical effects of this movie, when they're there, do look really good. Yeah.
0: yeah. I was going to say on the luck piece, we talked about Buddha briefly. <laughs> um, luck is also, I mean, I think it kind of comes through in all of them. They're all a little bit superstitious. And what's cool about these movies is they like really play to superstitions. Like a lot of the things that we do to avoid these weird deaths, like the logs on the truck and those things like that are superstitious things. And this one really ups that. Like we see Candace right away. We know her rubber bands are her um, (laughs) luck thing and it breaks right before her death, which is cool. So all of them kind of have these lucky things. I feel like there's more that I'm kind of blanking on, but they all have these like superstitious things they do that don't really, that kind of don't pay off. What's kind of interesting about the massage parlor scene is that he rubs the Buddha's belly for luck. And it's possible that it kind of comes from like the fact that he's disrespected it the whole time. Like he's really disrespected, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the... People in the shop. He's made racist jokes. He's made jokes about Buddha. So there's that's possible, but like that's the bit, which Um, is ironic
3: because isn't Buddhism like a like a a way of life that's very peaceful? (laughs) Peaceful Yeah, and you're like (laughs) "Yeah." (laughs)
1: yeah.
0: Well, no, I just mean that like, because I was like, you know, he rubs Buddha for luck, which is what you're supposed to do. And then it doesn't pay off as where the other ones, it's kind of the opposite. It's like, she snaps her bracelet. So now she's in trouble as where he, his goes well. So I don't know if maybe it's like a statement on the fact that he disrespects Buddha, but he rubs Buddha's belly for luck. And then Buddha is like,
3: fuck you, man.
2: (laughs) Well, I think he even makes a fat joke about Buddha. Like, Whoa, or something. It's like, you know, like, look,
1: Fat fat racist yes, joke yes. like, just like yeah. as
2: a round person let me tell you man fat shaming is not cool okay so yeah. we will get you motherfuckers every time um,
1: <laughs> buddha, buddha
2: or no buddha you know like yeah. everybody's got a breaking point and that was that, Buddha's.
0: and that pin when he pulled the bend pin yes. on his body oh yep. when he
3: hits the floor i think everyone feels it like yeah, everyone feels like,
0: it your whole body like retracts
3: but to go back I do think though I I mean I've never had acupuncture um but I do think that's normal right for them to like leave and let you like sleep
0: oh yeah you just sit there with it yeah yeah
3: that would be like that
2: didn't like nothing that happened there like that seems pretty normal yeah I I mean where is
0: it that they like cover your whole body
3: I do think that they would have maybe heard the roar of a fire beforehand Maybe. (laughs) maybe maybe Or maybe or they just,
2: just did, they didn't care. They're maybe just maybe like fuck that guy. I guess streaming in general, they might, they might Listen,
0: their hands aren't clean either. They trolled <laughs> right. him by sending the old woman because ew, she's unattractive. So we'll let her have yeah. we'll let her deal with this one. Um, I
2: will say, like I like I have gotten like a massage from like a woman just like that, and they do the most incredible job. I would say I bet they're older
3: mm-hmm. and more experienced.
2: Yeah, like it is like the best. I felt great for like a month after that. So oh oh strong recommend.
0: Murder for a massage right now. Oh <laughs> my,
2: absolutely. Like, like there's Kill a
0: man for the
2: there, opportunity. There are like five nearest that are all open right now but i'm like can't do it like cannot put myself at risk but i I think that is going to be added to the list of like go to a movie theater go to a basement show get like an actual massage Mm -hmm. like once i'm uh, once i'm vaccinated and more people are as well
0: (laughs) i was online shopping at miniso i don't know if you guys have miniso Mm -mm. it's japanese but Anyway, it just came to Canada, but anyway, it's okay. a really cute store, and they just have like everything. Like it's mm-hmm. like a it's a dollar store basically, mm-hmm. but not a dollar store. Like it's more than a dollar store. I don't know. How to right. it. They just had, like random stuff, and I was buying. They had like a bunch of marble stationery, so I was getting some nice. notepads Very and cool. things and stickers for my nephews. But anyway, they had all these like massagers, and I was like, Am I about to be this chick who like buys a bunch of like massagers? Because I'm like, oh, just want. <laughs> little do it. thing
1: do the it. back of recommend my neck it. I'm like I just gonna it.
0: get it just like, get like just stick them to my chair just like
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, do me. any of the video game chairs that you're getting sent to you have massagers uh, built wish. in
3: Ooh, I wish yeah, the, the, ro- the rolling balls that go up and yeah, down that was like, like,
0: the, like, the only time I've ever used those when I like get a pedicure and they mm-hmm. hurt there's one that like punches you in the mm-hmm. back and I'm like great
3: I want to feel That's my what? back rolls like go
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah I want to feel it like jamming into my spine
2: so no. I'll, I'll end with a, for In terms of the movie, we will end with this <laughs> Oh yeah, what, the movie The movie itself um, What did you do? I saw this in theaters I think mm-hmm. four and five of the I saw in theaters And I definitely had an oh shit moment when, you, when they get on the plane And then you cut back to that scene From Final Destination 1 What was your reaction when you saw That moment and that twist? Lindsay, you can go
0: I kind of knew already because um, I oh, saw right. it so no. much later. So no. mine, mine okay. isn't very exciting.
3: No, Ooh, wait, wait, wait. I don't know if she told you this, Mike. No, no, no. So we were doing these mar- this franchise marathon mm-hmm. and she was like, oh yeah, I've seen five. And when five ended, she was like, so full disclosure, I actually don't think I have seen this movie <laughs> before.
0: <laughs> I like pieced the rest because of- I couldn't remember four and it was like a mm-hmm. whole thing where I couldn't remember four but I saw four in theaters. And as soon as we watched four, I was like, ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't remember four. So in my brain, it just was like, I don't know, four and five, I've seen them cause I knew the ending. So I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I've definitely seen it. Cause I can picture the ending in my head. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, maybe I just like heard about it so much and had seen four and kind of forgot about it that I just like thought that I had seen it. So we watched it and I was like, oh, I've actually never seen this movie. So like, I just saw it a like a couple weeks ago for the mm-hmm. first time and was like, Turns out I love Final Destination 5. It's one of my (laughs) favorite movies. And I actually haven't seen it. So I did know that it was coming Mm -hmm. the entire time. Um, But I still, even though I knew it was coming, when they get on that plane, I was just like, oh my God. And I love the way they played it. Like, even though I knew it was coming, they played it by showing the ticket. And they've shown us so many other things that say the year. Like, they've done Mm. it. They showed us the vouchers. They showed us other things. And it's not until, so you see that ticket and you're kind of like, wait, they're on a plane to France and then it zooms in on the date mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. And
3: it's like, well, and it's it's, like what no,
0: happened? Someone said can, he had a premonition. Like, you Ugh. can
3: tell the true fans, quote unquote, of this franchise because it's, it's the the first note is the cutaway to Mm -hmm. the fight happening from the first movie and it's like the archival footage but it like like, it's there and I remember seeing it wasn't a very full theater because like and this movie did okay box office wise but like it did gross the least domestically out of Mm -hmm. the all of them um but it made bank and international money because of those 3d dollars but you could hear some people when it showed the carter alex fight go (gasps) (laughs) yeah I would have been one of those people and And then when they show the date of the plane ticket, you hear another section of the theater go <gasps> <gasps> <Yep.
0: laughs> so you're like noticing, oh my God I and it's killed. great and
3: it's
2: and it's built up so well in a way that it makes sense. it doesn't feel like a cheat and it's so well done and you just know like oh this is and you feel like again like in the end of part three when you yeah. have like Mary Elizabeth Winson's character who knows what's coming, you know what's coming for Sam and Molly in this and it just like your heart, breaks for them and then they show it and they, they oh. could have just like ended it right there like with the plane taking off but they like nope they don't. we're gonna we gotta do- get this other guy <laughs> yeah
3: we're gonna they we're show gonna it.
0: show
2: you what happens and it's
3: so
0: wrenching. they ranting. like get um, ruined dude, on that no, plane
3: M- Molly getting like cut in half by the wing of the plane is mean as Book mm-hmm. like yeah. her, the top half of her body flies, Just, like, and flies at the at, yeah,
0: <laughs> into the 3D into the camera. It's true, they could have so easily, and like it's one of those things where like balancing that restraint because all they had to do was show that ticket and then show them like have a shaky takeoff and you probably mm-hmm. would have been like holy shit mm-hmm. and walked away and there like would have been so much restraint to that but they actually like in a way did well. They showed us the deaths which could have been so cheese and so like oh I wish they just ended at two seconds earlier but it actually works really well no, and works. we get the mm-hmm. Sarah Connor scream so.
3: Well and also this is something I think we had discussed with because three three is the one that actually begins and ends with a big set piece. Yes. Mm-hmm. Five kind of does too but none, none of the others like in. With, like, a big set piece, you know? Yeah. So, I like that about it. I yeah. do too. And to me, like,
2: the, and then you have that, like you said, the little cap, the cap at the end of it mm. is Nathan at the <laughs> memorial for, like, the jackass union rep who was like, oh, yeah, he was going to die anyway. And then, like, this giant, and it's straight out of a Tex Avery cartoon. <laughs> like, yeah. it's definitely like, whoop. All you need is, like, if it just panned up and you just saw, like, a cartoon roadrunner or something oh, yeah. like it that's
3: the only thing it would have made it like more but it weird. works like it, it, it is silly it is kind of stupid but it works because mm-hmm. the whole film beforehand just like balances those tones so well uh-huh. yeah and it then we get that super cut at the end that's you what have... I was just gonna
0: say and then it takes us into like the greatest hits with ACDC. If You Want Blood first of all If You, you Want Blood it. my favorite ACDC <laughs> song for <laughs> Empire Records and uh yeah, and then it just shows us all the greatest hits, which is so fun. It's like four was going to be the send-off. We botched it. Here's another. And now here's our greatest hits.
2: Well, that's <laughs> the thing. And this feels like a good place to kind of wrap things up. To me, this movie feels like a celebration of the franchises at mm-hmm. all. Like it really gets back to the things that worked really well uh, when the movie, when the series is running at full steam, like the likable characters, the great depths. Um, There's so many nods to the other movie throughout it like this to me really feels like because like the last movie was supposed to be the last one in the series it did so well financially yeah that they're like we have to make another one of these movies um this feels like a victory lap like this kind of feels like the last season of parks and rec in some ways where it's kind of like we just know everything we've done well let's kind of like boil it down at that point um i know this roast the least domestically overall and i think i'd mentioned this we were kind of chatting about what we're going to talk about for the show Mm -hmm. there's this thing where like elm street 4 made more money than elm street 3 um and i and i actually have come around i might actually like elm street 4 more than 3 at this point but elm street 3 is generally considered like the best of the series um jason lives made less money than I think A New Beginning did. And yeah. I think there's this thing that happens when the entry before it is like panned by the fans in particular, no matter what comes out next, like it's not going to be, you're not going to go gangbusters at yeah. that point. So I think this movie not making as much is more of a indictment of part four than it is part five.
3: I I would agree with that. I mean, even I think because um with, Uh, Jason. Uh, a new beginning. Mm -hmm. It's like you know you're coming off of what is what a lot of fans consider to be the best entry in the franchise, which is the final chapter. Um, of course, again, that one made so much money that they Mm -hmm. made five, and it's like Mm -hmm. Jason's not here, psych. And yeah, fan backlash, and that's also something I kind of I don't like about the horror community, honestly, because I've actually like Lindsay. Whenever we watched Found this Nation Five a few a few weeks ago, like Mm -hmm. I had some people that were like, "Oh wait, it's good." Like I did, I gave up after four, and I was like, "See, Mm -hmm. you can't." you can't do that yeah. you can't especially give up on a franchise because of one bad entry i get that it sucks it does suck mm-hmm. but especially if it's like i mean i don't know like again like you can watch something that's like like this mm-hmm. <laughs> or more like J- jason liz where it's like hey you this c- is brilliant just because one is bad doesn't mean the next one will be good it won't, will be mm-hmm. also bad especially just
0: especially like, like- I think of things like universal characters really often. Like we were actually talking about this recently with Mission Impossible, how Ethan Hunt is such a familiar character that you can put him in different directors' visions and he's still Ethan Hunt. As long as you keep Ethan Hunt, you can make Mission Impossible 2 and make a John Woo movie and it still totally works. And I think that kind of works the same with franchises like this. Jason is still Jason in Final Destination. Death is still death. And it's really conducive to different creators' creating different takes on it so you've got a new director you've got a new writer it's going to be a completely different movie and all it's going to do is borrow a bit from the lore and I think there's the space for that we have to make
3: and I think it's important to note too that out of all I mean we can talk about aggregate sites and how useful Mm -hmm. they are to the end of time but this is the only film in the franchise to have a fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes Mm -hmm. it is the best reviewed Mm -hmm. film in the franchise at like 62 percent I think honestly the next one is like the first film with 38 percent yeah I don't agree with but yeah it's just Again, like it's just bizarre. Like this is the one that is the most critically beloved, if you will.
0: I mean, I see why. Sometimes oh, yeah. I just watched them all, and I really liked all of them. I mean, I didn't love all of them, sure, but like I like I liked them all, and obviously, there's ones I liked less. But then I watched this one. I was like, this movie. Rocks and it only rocks because of the movies that came before it. Like it wouldn't be as good if Bloodworth meant nothing and if the final destination lore didn't happen and if the twist wasn't there. But at the end of the day, it's an amazing standalone movie.
3: Question for both of you. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt it again. But no, um, go ahead. Because my, my every time I rewatch this, I'm like, okay, does this movie is it still as good if we don't have that twist ending? And I don't think it's as good, but I still think it works on its own. It yeah,
0: does. Totally. I it's think not,
2: because
1: yeah, you I, could
2: have the, um, you could have not seen the four movies that come before it and then have like the one character yelling about, like, let's say this movie was actually first. Let's say you do like, do a viewing order of like five, one, two, three, yeah. four. OK, you could have like a reading of this movie where it's like, oh, shit, like now the next group that's going to have like what happened in this movie is now going to happen to them. And that's going to kind of carry the story forward. And I think that still works as like a reading or a way to view the movie. Um, I think this movie does work better because you have that ending and you know what has come before it. And it, as a fan, you definitely kind of appreciate that. And you, I think as a fan, you appreciate getting something where you're like, Hey, like this is a really cool nod to the people that have stuck with this series for like four movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were to like not have seen it and then you go if you saw this movie first and then went back and watched the first movie, you could read it as like, oh my god, like this is death carrying over and like this is the next group at that point. So I think it does still work. It's like a great standalone movie. And I think with these films, you can really watch them out of order and just like Enjoy them all as like standalone fun <laughs>
3: horror movies. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: Yeah.
3: I'm not going to get lost in the weeds of the lore at that point because the only ones that are really quote unquote connected with continuity are mm-hmm. one and two. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Five is only connected via that ending, which yes. even yes. then you can yeah you can watch this and be like oh that's cool they mm-hmm. went on a plane and died mm-hmm. like whatever. Yeah.
2: <laughs> what blows my mind about this series as a whole is like basically it starts at the tail end it comes out in 2000 the first movie the tail end of the sl- teen slasher reborn yeah. like you have like you know scream 3 is now come and gone it's going to be a decade before we get another scream movie you have like your urban legend you know you have um i still know what you did last summer mm-hmm. you have all of these movies
3: come out for that cycle this comes out this valentine end. erasure will not stand mike <laughs> valentine
2: is great too oh valentine it's you're right same director as Urban Legend. Urban Legend, yeah. Valentine, we rewatched that. This I think Valentine and Urban Legend, and I still know what you did last summer, or I know what you did last summer. Those were the first three horror movies we watched in quarantine. After mm. I gave up, aside from things for the show, I'm like, I need a break from horror. Things are way really right. too depressing, and those are just like so fun. So but you know what like even with that like valentine is too there's not a lot from 2000 to 2002 no no not at all um horror had really changed like you, in starting in 2003 you have like the texas chainsaw master mm-hmm. reboot you have Hostel. you have like the rise of the quote-unquote splat pack of directors. oh and the grudge
3: the j-horror stuff too yeah
2: you have the ring you have the grudge you have mm-hmm. the remake of pulse oh yeah this goes all through the saw series that you know from 2003 to 2009 there's an entry and then it picks up like it ends when found footage becomes a thing like now you're getting into like the paranormal activities and like really the birth of blumhouse where you're not going to do 20 to 30 million dollar horror movies you're going to spend two million and you're going to recap like get really big you know returns on your budget from that but it's amazing how this franchise survived all mm-hmm. of these trends for 10 years and never had to adapt to them it was like this is our own thing we're successful with it and we can be our own little anomaly with what's going on for 10 years
3: it, yeah that's actually really respectful even on the budgets too like this movie had a 40 million dollar budget can you imagine like a horror movie today getting a 40 million dollar budget <laughs> no
2: <laughs> what was the last one that did like maybe scream four i think uh, oh
3: actually yes that you are correct too. which would have um, come out like what no actually no because this came out four months after scream four did it okay yeah. you know in uh, scream four most of the budget is probably
2: going to nev campbell courtney yeah. cox and david Arquette. like that's where your money's going
3: which in this it's the effects for sure right. but mm-hmm. this is again, the final destination also had a budget of 40 million dollars mm-hmm. but look at how much better this which one what looks. you can do
0: yeah look what you yeah. can do with the same budget <laughs> absolutely so much better
3: so but yeah I mean,
0: kitchen seen but yeah
3: but yeah again, you're right yeah. I, I love that it's again like we go through subgenre periods like, and again like we're now getting a slasher resurgence which i could mm-hmm. not be more happy about mm-hmm. but yeah final destination maybe it's because it blends two subgenres it's slasher <laughs> and supernatural yes. I, I don't i don't know and the fact that we're supposedly getting a reboot and people want it now yeah like mm-hmm. that's great I
2: think having yeah. that decade in between is going to be good for the series where with the Scream series, mm-hmm. I think, and I am of the mind that there are no bad movies in the four Scream movies. Um, <laughs> I don't like three as much as I like one or two, but it's still like a very fun, good Scooby-Doo movie. Um, yeah. I, I think the reception of Scream, I, I I don't think Scream 3 has kind of gotten that, or had gotten that reappraisal by the time that four had come out and that kind of hit her really kind of had hurt the movie overall i think now like i think you're going to see scream five come out and it's going to do gangbuster yeah. numbers i think well, people want it
3: now the interesting thing so i think again we had talked about this offline but you were like yeah, i think the ten-year gap wasn't kind for four whereas i think it will be good for five I think it's because not only because 4 didn't have a great reception, box office aside, but mm-hmm. even critical reception and fan reception wasn't great when the movie came out. I love 4. I think 4 is Ooh. fucking fantastic. I think 4 is
0: really great. I think 4, yeah. much like all the screen movies, were just ahead of their time. But,
3: mm-hmm. but whereas 3 has had a reappraisal <laughs> post to me too and people are like, oh yeah, like there's aspects that are good, but it's still the weakest film four has seen like a reappraisal mm-hmm. in the past couple of years where people were like "Oh, Four's like awesome yeah i know I think four? all
0: four of them have been ahead of their time and that's yeah. why they always get reappraisals mm-hmm. like yeah the first one did really well but i still don't think that the audience that saw scream when it came to theaters appreciated what but, it was doing what yeah. it was ushering in what it did with the twist like it was just a slasher
3: here's the thing though when four came out again they're teenagers that didn't really know scream mm-hmm. aren't gonna go see this movie And so why I don't think the Scream TV series is particularly good, and I have seen all three seasons Mm -hmm, of it, the good thing it did was it brought it to the youth and Mm -hmm. it made them seek out the movies because I bet you their first interaction with the franchise was was the the TV TV show. show. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Four four predicted like influencer culture. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean, like they're always ahead
0: of their time. All four Mm -hmm. of them were ahead of their time. Every single one. Three was ahead of its time with respect to like you said, me too happened much later, and we mm-hmm. looked back at it. Four was ahead of its time, so we weren't ready to have those discussions yeah. yet.
3: Well, people one thought it was, was ahead too of unrealistic. They go, like, well, that's not real. Yeah. No one no. would do that.
0: Bitch, no, <laughs> Jill yeah. Roberts like, is today. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: And, like, even one, like I said, we didn't appreciate the ushering in of meta horror. It was viewed mm-hmm. as a slasher, and it, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, two, even like, by being a meta, like, it wasn't a meta sequel, but a sequel that
1: mm-hmm.
0: made jokes about sequels. Didn't land. Four was ahead of its time with things like fans and influencer culture. Like all of them have been ahead of their mm-hmm. time. We'll see if five can deliver on that. Mm-hmm. I do not know.
2: I, I'm very interested. I, I, and I've said this. I, they better not kill Sydney. Yeah, I would. You know, I, I can't. I'm gonna, I like
0: would, I'm so tired. Yeah, from, <laughs> but like I don't know. Everyone's ideas about Scream Five right. make me nervous, and then the fact that it, I'm just nervous. No, it all here's
3: if, yeah, people trying, are like, oh she's been through too much like she yeah. like she, she needs to like die it's not realistic I'm like you know what no. we've been through Talking. too much yeah. with her exactly. to see her die
0: also like I, that i can't i'm not i, can't. I will I say like energy, my
2: my, I don't have my, my ideal opening to scream five but i've said this before so i apologize listeners to make you suffer through it again <laughs> it starts off with her like tucking her children into bed she grabs like a glass of wine or a cup of ch- hot chocolate she goes to her front porch grabs a book Sits on the porch and then smash cut Scream 5. And that's it. She's done in the rest <laughs> of the movie. Totally new characters at that point. Like, that's it. Like, that's the end of Sydney. I would love that for her opening. Like, she gets like, and I think someone else is, I'm, I'm stealing this and I apologize. I don't remember who said it. Like, the opening of Scream 5 is like, she gets like a call or a text from Dewey, like, hey, the Woodsboro murders are starting again. And she's like, nope. Just like, delete the <laughs> message. Block caller. Delete. You know? I would Playout? love that to be the
3: opening of the movie like let Sydney be let her live in um, but we keep cutting back to her like every like 25 minutes of screen time she's and like she's reading. just like <laughs> she's, she's, watching, great yeah. she's watching great british Bake off that's watching great british Off. oh yeah. i would love that
2: um i absolutely would think that would be i, I like that even more like like do you have like a, a post-credit like marvel scene and it's her yeah. like just like, you know, doing her vlog or something like that. Just totally chill and normal. Her vlog. Oh my god,
3: I love it. I well, absolutely
2: love that idea.
3: I mean, I, again, like, if, if we get a Scream 5 that's as good as Final Destination 5, I am we'll be on board. Yeah. So, yeah, um,
2: I think that's a good capper on our Final Destination series uh, talking about Scream. Because
1: uh, that's, <laughs> um, that's always what, do. As we know.
2: always do. Um, So, Trace. Tell us what's going on with horror queers at the start of the new year.
3: Yeah. So we, we are starting our third year of existence. Uh, so we're doing threes. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we, we've done episodes on Scream 3. And we will have an episode coming out this week on Hellraiser 3. (laughs) And then we'll have a couple more threes. But um, our -hmm. our audio commentary on our Patreon this month is actually Final Destination 3. So we pre-recorded that actually right after Lindsay and I uh, watched them with Mm -hmm. the group a couple weeks ago. So it's ready to go. (laughs) Love it. For our listeners that aren't familiar
2: with horror queers, which I don't know how you wouldn't be. Like I can't imagine people listening to this show and not horror queers are some of the ones that are much bigger than ours so I feel <laughs>
3: almost arrogant saying that it's almost like no it's it's but, interesting that even with my friends like you know sometimes they'll be like I'm sorry I don't listen to your show and I was like, I never really expect no. people to mm-hmm. listen to my show like and I don't say things and I'm like well if you listen to my show you'd really know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about yeah. but <laughs> no um so we're part of the bloody discussing podcast network um we started as a article series and we morphed it into a podcast and Again, we're going two years strong. We've got a wonderful Patreon, and we've got a Facebook group. We started a letterbox. Like mm-hmm. you can pretty much Google horror queries, and we're kind of everywhere, but we're home base on Bloody mm-hmm. Disgusting, and you can find us there. No, yeah.
2: excellent. Well, I definitely, and I say the the one-two punch of having Lindsay on to talk Mask of Phantasm, and then <laughs> Ariel to do Better Watch Out. We're like two. <sighs> great episodes and
3: and, the, and they got some of the best like like we we have a pretty good relationship with our listeners where we really mm-hmm. try to interact with them a lot that's why we have the facebook group because it's mm-hmm. like a hub especially for queer yeah. people where it's like mm-hmm. other queer because queer horror it's like you're a niche community mm-hmm. within a niche community mm-hmm. so it really helps mm-hmm. but um those two episodes specifically got some of the best feedback mm-hmm. from our listeners Yeah, mm-hmm. nice.
1: like the, the
2: feedback from podcast listeners compared to the feedback you see on articles Seems to be so different. Like it's such a much warmer, nicer community.
0: It's the I Wonder would... Woman thing. It's the people who's that's easy to read an article. It's hard to listen well, to two hours. No, I mean. I'll
3: agree though because so we basically the Monday after every episode we have dropped So we drop episodes on Wednesdays. The mm-hmm. following Monday we post an article on Bloody, like promoting the episode. Not a lot of comments on the article, but normally when we do, it's like they read the headline that usually mm-hmm. says "Oh, queer aspect of X film," and then it's just people like bitching about it. I was like, "Well, if you actually yeah. listen to the episode, <laughs> yep." it's what we're talking about with like yeah exactly like you have to have an effort to listen to one yeah. or two hours of a podcast mm-hmm.
0: no one listens to two hours head. of a podcast they're not interested in but it's right. really easy to read a headline or a three minute read on an article mm-hmm. or something yeah
3: exactly so, yeah. yeah but so.
0: yeah the feedback from your podcast was so lovely it made my week for like yeah. i was like this is so nice i just kept like every mm-hmm. so often awesome. i would be like loved your phantasm episode I was like That's so nice. thank you <laughs> yeah
2: and where where can everyone uh find you and find the show on the socials yes
3: yeah, so you can find horror queers anywhere we have facebook instagram twitter it's all at horror queers um if you want to join our facebook group it is just the horror queers group not really mm-hmm. much innov- innovativeness there um for me uh my socials everywhere again are traced thurman that's Trace, mm-hmm. the letter d as in dog thurman um just because d is my last name but it worked out with my first name
1: mm-hmm.
3: um and that's it <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And oh, thank an y'all for having invite. me. This there's was...
2: an open invite. I can't believe it's taken more than a hundred episodes for me to get you on the show. Like I should have asked much sooner. And we can no. thank Lindsay. Lindsay is going to all... boost the level of guests we have. Like she is we fun all have and...
3: busy lives, and also there's so many people to talk about. Mm-hmm. Also, like I, I get it. Like it's it's just you know. But this is a mm-hmm. this is a great way to start a Saturday because you we're really? recording on a Saturday, mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: i this is like i will say like doing like i ran like a blog for like all things horror for like almost a decade um and when i stopped doing it i just stopped kind of like communicating with a lot of people in the Mm -hmm. horror community um in like doing this show and doing um um Oh God, I forgot the name of my other show. <laughs> oh man. Psycho-analysis? Um, thank you so much. Doing the name. Of, don't get Oh, I, I, I do love psychoanalysis. Doing like Jen is amazing. And Lara mm-hmm. are amazing. They're two amazing people. Um, doing like this shows like it's brought me back into the horror community in a big way they're just like so many people complain about horror twitter but to me like horror twitter is like oh you don't agree with someone's taking a movie so you're just throwing that phrase out there like no, no, like by Mm -hmm. and large it's the nicest
3: kindest awesome group of people um so much fun well i think it's because they're like you know as horror i mean i this is like my stock have you ever seen copycat Yes. yeah there's, I still there's, there's, yeah yeah but on. there's the scene when, when uh, uh Sigourney Weaver's like oh it's my stock lecture well, like, well this is my stock thing that I say all the time mm-hmm. horror is the redheaded stepchild of the film world it's like mm-hmm. the weird genre that no one cares about so if you grew up or are now a horror fan like you feel ostracized from like the regular film mm-hmm. cinema or whatever so you I think you learn like a certain sense of kindness there's, there's a flip side where you can mm-hmm. in turn become a douchebag yes. and be a gatekeeper which you don't want to yes. be Mm-hmm. But for a lot of us, I think we've we've embraced, like, a certain kindness and openness and welcoming mm-hmm. that you don't find. Absolutely. Like, again, you don't have, like, romantic rom-com Twitter. You don't have drama Twitter. Right. You don't have war movie Twitter. <laughs> right. It's just exciting I've... when
0: you find someone else that likes more. You're like, oh, my gosh, you too. And, like, it's so thrilling yeah. when you run mm-hmm. into that person. So,
2: yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if one day there will be, like, a Hallmark uh holiday movie conventions where people will go and spend like fifty dollars to get Honestly, like the autograph probably, of somebody like who was definitely. like he was, <laughs> he was the doorman and like i'll be home for christmas seven and and it'll be like that so 100%. which is kind of incredible yeah. Lindsay how about yourself what do you have to plug this week
0: yeah nothing specific follow me on twitter smash travis with an e s-m-a-s-h-t-r-a-v-e-s um you'll catch all my writing there i will be as usual on what to watch cg magazine and uh, pajiba amongst other places but those are probably where you'll find me the most um yeah
2: excellent and for me you can find me at mike underscore snooney on twitter you can also find me at pod and pendulum i run the account there uh you can join our facebook group like it's actually it's a small but nice little community of folks um where we're trying to post more and more stuff on there, like little trivia and like bits here or there. It's a cool group of folks. So you can go there, facebook.com pod and the pendulum uh, under their groups. You can find my other show, Psychoanalysis. I think uh, it's January. So we're in the middle of depression month. So our episode on what movie oh cr- again folks please don't get old <laughs> we literally spent three and a half hours talking about the Babadook and I'm dropping like what movie were we covering mm. we just did like three hours on the Babadook I think when it's edited down and we have another show on Lake Mungo this month as well as our comfort horror episodes which I now have to go watch Troll 2 and I'll say like Randall Colburn you've made a powerful enemy today making me watch <laughs>
1: Troll 2
2: love you. <laughs> can't wait to have you on but you've made a powerful enemy this weekend um but yeah thank you so much for listening uh we are going to be kicking off again i think we spoiled it a little bit but the next series we have coming up we're going to be covering sinister one and sinister two that will be followed by a month on like french extremity and then the evil dead series and then Lindsay and i are in a powwow a little bit and see what else we want to cover this year Um, who we want to have on so we are really looking forward to bringing some very cool stuff to you Um, join our Patreon Uh, tiers are as low as two bucks and that gets you a bonus episode every month and I'm going to be taking some time this weekend to kind of write down a bunch of ideas to see what else we can bring people for very little money that we can actually sustain and do and commit to but go to like patreon.com slash pod and the pendulum I know there's like a three minute spiel somewhere in this episode I'm inserting in later on to get you to join our Patreon page, but thanks very much. We'll be really enjoyed talking to final destination series. We hope that you folks have enjoyed listening to it and we'll be back next week with sinister. Bye.
1: Excellent. Bye. bye.